Welcome to the Creators Talking Podcast. If you're offended by harsh language and strong opinions, especially from a couple of Aussies that really don't hold back, you should probably stop listening now. If not, enjoy the show. Welcome to uh, Creators Talking Episode 2, where we, this week, are talking about uh, the comics, movies, and some TV that came out in the last few months. Uh, I'm Justin, I'm your host, and with me, as always, is, uh, first of all, my favourite artist, Peter. Hello. Uh, my favourite, Wombat. Wombat. Good morning. And a man who uh, I've given many special introductions to over the years. So, with that being said, I'll give him a break today. Hit Scott. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're not going to try and get my pants today, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Let me no, fucking weird shit. <laughs> I, thought, I thought about doing it to you again, but I thought, no, we, all, we got you one and truly last one, so I thought I'll take a break on this Oh, one. man, you got me more than once. Christ, dude. Oh, yeah, but the last one was my favorite with that uh, recording of your mind just skidding to a halt. Oh, God. It's dude, fantastic. Yeah, fucking... <laughs> EXE stopped working. <laughs> it's brilliant. <clears throat> all right. So as always, we start off uh, looking at crowdfunded comics and the continuing Comics Gate saga. Uh, it still rumbles on. Uh, the releases of uh, Jawbreaker's God King, Graveyard Shift Volume 2, Starblades and Soulfinder, all smashing uh, the funding goals and reaching at least 200% funding, uh, especially Jawbreaker's, uh, who managed it within the first 10 hours of its campaign. Um, it continues, doesn't it? It's... Uh, I think we'll be seeing these sorts of crowdfunded efforts for some time, don't you think? I think it's proof of concept when it comes to yeah. make good quality comics and people will pay you for it. Mm. Just, and these are good quality comics that people are working hard to make as good as possible and they are asking for feedback so any future ones they make can be even better. Because mm. this is a big learning process for a lot of these people who are doing this. So the like majority of them aren't ex-comics pros of any sort they're just average joes who got together the right pe- right writers with the right artists and colorists and letterers and so on when, when you say average joes right. have you got an example in mind well um your boy zach who's done the whole um, oh yeah yeah he's nothing in comics no he's never done anything in comics same with the guys on soul finder again never been in comics like majority of the ones that now that you've talked about, those people have never been in the comic industry. Yeah, it's 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 nice to see them doing so well. I mean, I remember seeing um, <clears throat> the concept for Soul Blades, which was the Kyle Ritter comic, and the mm. artwork. I don't think I can describe how good it is, but you look at it and you think, "Damn, I, I'm not surprised that that raked in as much cash as what it did." So kudos to them. Yeah, it's also proving that you don't have to be a professional to be yeah. good. It's also nice to see uh, some of the titles actually coming out as well. Uh, I mean, my copy of uh, Battle Maiden Knuckle Bomb arrived this year, and mm-hmm. uh, it's fantastic. Um, 
and I, I look forward to the next uh, funding campaign for the next issue because I'm looking forward to it. It was a, a wonderful combination of anime and uh, American style comics, all in black and white, though. I thought it was great. Yeah, and that's fine. It's like mm. some cases, things like that work better in black and white than they do in color. It's all choice. Yeah. And also, uh, Cyberfrog finally launched this year, a little over a year late. Um, yes. Reviews has been positive. Um, many, though, have complained about the ending of the story, which eh, I, I don't know because my copy has yet to arrive. But uh, one of the reviews that made me laugh about it was uh, from the YouTube of that Star Wars girl who compared it to being blue balled. Or <laughs> for any for any ladies out there listening, Beaver Damned. Uh, if you don't know what Clamp, that means, yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever, yeah. Um, so it's nice to see them coming out, but I personally think if they're going to try and maintain this, they've got to get these books out on time. They have to get them out on time. They do, but have to remember, for him, this is a first. And mm, he yeah. kind of, outside of your boy Zach, mm-hmm. this was his first. Like, yeah. he was the second, basically. And he was the second who was who was the only one who was also a long-term pro. Yeah. But his problem was... He's a long-term pro for doing the art side of things. He'd never touched anything to do with final production or shipping. Mm. And that was his big big roadblock. Is he got stuck there because he didn't quite realize doing everything, how much it, more it took to do everything yourself versus doing just your chunk of something that's been shared amongst multiple people. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely learned from that, and he's accelerating everything he's done this time around to actually yeah. be... Much, much, much further ahead for the second book and his other I, titles he wants to do. Because I did laugh seeing uh, a picture of uh, an issue of Cyberfog being sold at one of those major conventions. I think it was the San Francisco Comic Con. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. He was more at that as well. Yeah. <laughs> over $100 for that issue. Like, well, damn. Yeah, so, he, was, he was pretty shocked when people were sending him photos of that. He's got really? Is yeah. this a joke? It's not? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to getting my copy as well, um, just so I can say, look, I've got it, I've read it, it's great. Uh, but obviously, a little while ago, yeah, and obviously because of postage, especially this time of year, yeah, I'll be waiting a little while, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's another problem a lot of these people have run into is learning which companies to go with and post and, the, and dealing with the whole postage mm. thing. Yes, it's funny you should say that because um, does everyone remember when we talked about the Earthworm Jim graphic novel last time round? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that that ended up raising over eight hundred thousand uh, dollars, and it turned out part of the reason the postage cost was so high was because Tenable had actually made special boxes for the book to be shipped in with the uh, Earthworm Jim artwork on the front. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I wonder if people would have just preferred it to be sent a bit cheaper without those boxes. But maybe I'm being picky. I don't know. Well, yeah, and no. But the problem was he didn't offer it as an option. Mm. That seems to be what people were a bit bothered with. It's like, that's very nice, but I would have liked it as an optional thing if I wanted something extra, not Mm. something that's enforced. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, last time we were here, we had uh, Paula Ritchie on, and we celebrated her uh, crowdfunding comic, Soulbound. Uh, It was launched on time. 
uh, and was a fun read. She even got to host a meet and greet in her local comic shop with the artist and sign copies of the comic. She's currently working on the second part, but congratulations, Paula, because I know she wanted to be here today, but she had a prior engagement with family. So kudos to you for that one. It's been a big learning process for everyone, for especially oh, yeah. meeting targets and meeting timing. But mm. now there's been others that have sort of done that, fumbled and figured it out. Everyone else is basically like, well, we've learned from them what to do and what not to do. So it's now getting much more streamlined and much more people are putting up their campaigns until they've got at least a good chunk of the comic already done. So yeah. they say, here's a good, ch- here's a really good example of what we're doing. If you really like this, all we need is the last bit of funding to finish it, package it, and send it out. And there are a couple of other ones to talk about as well that came out, uh, were crowdfunded this year. Uh, first of all, there was um, one from the writer Meredith Finch, um, Scott, do you remember uh, Cyberforce and uh, Ascension, the artist Dave Finch? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's uh, she's his uh, wife, and they've obviously worked together before quite a few times on stuff like the New 52's Wonder Woman, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she's done a crowdfunded book uh, for a biblical love story uh, of the Book of Ruth. And Dave has done, yeah, he's done one of the, of the variant he's covers for it. Is he doing this any uh, distribution or is it going under under like DC or Marvel or something? Oh, they're doing it themselves. She did a Kickstarter for it uh, oh, okay. earlier so, this okay. year. Uh, I think it was November. Uh, asked for 30,000 Canadian, raised 30, almost 33,000. And it's a black and white project, but the covers uh, got hints of color, but it looks beautiful. And yeah. I listened to a couple of interviews of Meredith Finch. Because I've read her work before and I absolutely loved it. And I, I wanted to get a copy of this, but I just didn't have the money. She said in the interview she had done her research and obviously was conscious of the postage costs and had done her best to make them as minimal as possibly could, which I thought, fair play to her. Right. Um, so she's on her way with that one. And then we have uh, Blake Northcott. Oh, yeah, Blake. Yeah, uh, she ran a Kickstarter for a graphic novel uh, she wrote with Scott Lobdell called Everglade Angels. Yeah, and it's it fucking uh, banged out, yeah. didn't it? Oh, yes. It's a nod to the old horror movies of the 90s. It needed 20,000 Canadian, made just over 40,000. Yeah. But it did get someone wanted attention. Um, Anita, <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah, well, the, the, yeah. the scantily clad ladies, oh, no. Well, this, this is the best <laughs> bit about it. Anita Cox, uh, a writer for the Mary Sue... <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and label Blake and her cover artist uh, Leela Lee's. I'm saying that right, and I quote: "Neckbeard incels living in Kentucky," which she smith which. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll point out here: she misspelled Kentucky, um, criti- uh, and criticizing the breast size of the girls on the cover, and finished off by saying, "Good luck selling this Trump bros idiot customers a white." When, you know what? Um, when I think of Blake Northcott, the first thing I think of is neckbeard. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Right. So... Somebody from the Mary Sue talking shit about something they know nothing about. Yeah. Wow, that is a mm. shocker. Yeah. Shocker. Now, Blake, for anyone that doesn't follow her on Twitter, uh, she is a class act. She's very polite she and very, very uh, interactive with fans and so forth. And she saw and this. She's and... got a great sense of humor, too. Also. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And she responded with what was pro- perhaps probably the most politish but savage cut down I've seen yet, uh, correcting the writer's spelling of Kentucky, <laughs> pointing out that not only were her and the cover artist uh, women, one being Canadian and the other Italian, and finished off by saying, and I quote, appreciate the retweet of the cover art, though. You left out the URL. 
tell your four followers to check it out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and no, really fucking to the throat about things. And uh, Anita Cox's response was to lock her Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, now, uh, now yeah, I I backed right. this, <laughs> uh, and I'm looking forward to receiving it because it looked brilliant. Uh, outside of Comics Gate and and. Uh, so forth. Uh, Kwanzaa Ajiefo released his white, which we talked about previously, but uh, people were reporting that backers had received their copies in cheap packaging that allowed them to be damaged. Also, the Deadbeats, yeah, the Deadbeats graphic novel, which we also talked about, was released uh, on time, as far as I'm aware, and received raised reviews from the sites that got copies. How about that? Yeah, but yeah, um... yeah exactly. <laughs> who, who didn't see that coming? But also. Where are all the other reviews? Exactly. Uh, and it's also notable that uh, a lot of the comic sites do not cover the Comicsgate releases as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Of course not, because it's proving a point that Marvel, DC, the comic industry as a whole, is no longer cut down to, oh, you have to be of a certain group and be a certain part of a certain something, mm-hmm. namely Marvel, DC, whatever, to even get a snifter in on this sort of yep. stuff. It just proves like we don't need anything to do with you. We don't need any of your help with anything. Average Joe in his backyard can basically go do this yep. and be successful. Ooh, the burn. Yeah. So the whole crowdfunded comics thing, I think it will be, it, well, this will be a regular thing for a, quite some time, I'd imagine. Well, the main thing now seems to be uh, some people want to eventually, like, try to get their comics into the mainstream as far as like into stores while yeah. others are just perfectly happy to keep doing it as I'll just send it to the like directly to the people that buy from me. Yeah. With no middleman. They w- want to save stores, but it's still a case of even if there's hundreds of these comics that are successful like this and they're put into stores, it's still mm-hmm. not going to save stores. No. Because it's only a small part of why a lot of these stores are failing. Mm. No, I mean, I like seeing these crowdfunded comics be made and be successful. Um, I'd like to see it continue. And, you know, I'd love to back a load of them. But what kills it for me, and I think we talked about this as well, is always the postage. Yeah, especially the likes of, for me, it's a combination of postage and exchange rate. Yep. Being Australian, we get ripped on both. I think in the end, I was able to back uh, Book of Ruth for a PDF copy, which I could read on my Kindle. But, it, it kind of it's a shame because I really wanted a physical one, but well, you know, it's you win some, you lose some with stuff like this. Yeah, it's always that that thing with the, having an actual physical book to flip through and hold in your hands versus yeah. something that's digital. Yeah. So onto Marvel, and they did a good thing this year. They relaunched uh, X Men, uh, but they did it with uh, writer Jonathan Hickman at the helm. And they started this off with two miniseries, House of X and Powers of X, which is it's a kind of intertwining series, which I thought was a bit weird, but it did really well. Uh, the first issues of each uh, sold 212,000 units and 198,000 each. But there were a shit ton of variant covers at the same time. Uh, House of X had 25 and Powers of X had 20, uh, each including one that retailed for $250. And the following yeah, issues, nah. of, yeah, I know. And the following issues of each series had an average of six, no, eight variants each. And when you add them all up, 
uh, each miniseries had about 70 odd issues combined uh, each which yeah i don't like that and that's another thing adding to why all the shops are failing hmm. but also adding to, adding on more to the whole the whole multiple cut like multiple variant cover thing used to be a one off every couple of every couple of like, issues or so as a you know special yeah doing it every single issue is no longer special it's stupid no. yeah it's wasting and... money it's wasting resources and it's pointless yeah, and even retailing these for two hundred fifty dollars at launch. I mean, really? That too. Yeah, um, and also on a sad note, and this is kind of connected. Uh, Loot Crate went out of business this year. And... Loot Crate went out of business. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Staff. Yep. Staff. Scott, hang on. Just a second, Scott. Did you ever see that skit from the uh, Video Games Awards last year? No. Uh, um... I'll, I'll send it to you offline. You'll lose your mind. Yeah, so yeah. Shoot, it, shoot it my way. I want to have a look. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of people that lost their jobs. I mean, that sucks. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Staff, staff were laid off without no notice or severance pay either. Really? Uh, yes. And oh, wow. people have pointed the yeah, fingers. That's, that's a chapter 13. And people have pointed the finger of blame at Marvel because of the unwanted comics being <laughs> shipped with the boxes that they couldn't sell in shops, apparently. Really? It's a, well, yeah, it's a sad yeah, it was Marvel and DC doing that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was an unfortunate thing to hear about this because uh, obviously I don't like hearing anyone lose their jobs or stuff well, like that. Sure. In the end, it was a lot of not only just Marvel and DC dumping comics in there that no one wanted. They yeah. were also putting stuff in there that was not selling in general, like toys and stuff that weren't selling in stores. And people just got fed up with getting stuff that they just really had no choice oh, yeah. in, no say in, mm. and just didn't want. Some of the stuff too. I mean, you looked at some of the quality on some of the things that they uh, that they put in those boxes. Yeah, and you're talking about dollar store trash. I mean, just real, just shit. Yeah, I mean, they did some neat stuff like in the past, but I mean, probably seventy five percent of the stuff that they put in those boxes was just absolutely garbage. Yeah, and I I think it was another one of those niche trends which didn't have long but i think loot crate obviously those comics did perhaps contribute towards it which is a shame well it's not just the, i i i i'd say that the comics probably were a small part of it mm. I mean, obviously they were a part of it but uh, considering the considering the quality and the types of things that they put in there just in general they just it just it, there wasn't it, it wasn't a good value i think no. just the, the whole proposition was just a bad value no uh, yeah, comics going through a tiny portion of it. The rest was all just yeah. it's gradually a case of cheaper and cheaper crap getting stuffed in there to the point that it's just plain not worth it. There's nothing yeah. of worth being put in there. Like I uh, got a couple of cool things, but I bought them from eBay that were yeah. in there. It's like, it's like <laughs> I, got some, I got some Galaxy Quest patches that they uh, made yeah. six years ago. And um, I paid like four or five bucks for it because there wasn't any way I'm going to fucking subscribe to Loot Crate. I'm just like, why do I want a fucking $40 a month box of shit that <laughs> I don't know what it is and it's probably going to be stuff that I don't want in the first place? Yeah. But like I said, they have a few things every now and again that actually were pretty cool, though. Well, I was doing um, one kind of loot box thing this year. Uh, it was for T-shirts, though, uh, because I love these sort of silly humor T-shirts. and you get them out of the box and like they'd be I'm great. Stupid, yeah, stuff like that. And <laughs> um, T uh, the, the the Jurassic Park logo, and it had T Rex, but he's holding a cup of tea. 
you know, stuff oh, like right, that, which I thought was hilarious. But you'd get them out of the box and they'd be great. You'd wear them, they'd be great. But then you'd wash them and they'd shrink to, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, you couldn't even put them on. So stuff like that, I just stopped doing. And yeah, those things are a very, very selective appeal now, I think. Yeah, when, and because like when you when you're looking at like uh, like you said the the thing shrinks too. It's like you have to be real careful about shit like that. Like if you're gonna invest in something like that, you want to make sure that it says pre shrunk material because like I had the same thing happen once. I bought a I bought a Galaxy Quest T shirt online because like, <laughs> you can't find them anywhere. It's like no, fucking get it off of eBay. And yeah. I love that movie. And God, I know we could fucking do a whole show about that if you wanted to hear me ramble for like two hours. <laughs> but like, uh, God, I'll, I'll make a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I just got a couple of shirts from uh, CD Projekt Red for Cyberpunk, and they were great. And mm. one, one, I washed them. One didn't shrink. One kind of did. So, mm. but it yeah, wasn't just, by much. Know, but I think it was just. Uh, but again, yeah, but. I think it was just, it was a little bit of a manufacturer variance and it was just a touch too small. Yeah. But yeah, gave it away as a Christmas gift instead. So, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And the person who got it was very happy. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, DC Comics, still not a great year for them. Uh, stories have been circulating of another possible reboot to bring in some more okay. cash for another. At, at this point, like yeah. the, the, the DC Comics is that guy in the Holy Grail who's being carried onto the cart. I don't want to go on the cart. <laughs> <laughs> like yep, yeah, yeah, just everyone said, bring out your dead. I don't want to go on the cards. I feel yeah. fine. I feel happy. And then I think about February next year, it's going to be funk. Yeah, yep, you're being shut down. Uh, apparently, this involves introducing new versions of old characters because obviously no one can create anything mm. new anymore. Uh, and this is apparently being done in a Crisis and Infinite Earths style story. Can't wait for that. They're pretty much doing race swap, gender swap, what yeah. their actual orientation they are, swap without actually adding anything, you know? Mm-hmm. How many Story? times have they done new this? New characters? Now, well, they, they, did, they did the new 52 reboot. Right. And but then they then did. They did then they did. Uh, yeah, what was it called? There was another one after it. Um, Rebirth, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it seems like they're doing this pretty much every like five years, I guess, roughly. It yeah. It feels like it anyway. I mean, like. Yeah, and I, and, and I, I, I get don't why, but still, it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah. But uh, well, yeah, that would be interesting moment, to watch. At the moment, it's because um, Big Daddy Warner and AT and T are basically going, "Okay, comics division, why we still have you? Yeah. Why are we still funding you? Give us a reason." Because so far, every every reason you've given us, and every time we've given you a, a case of "Okay, prove to us you failed." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you just pimp, pimp daddy at t Get out there and earn my money, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right, but we do get to um, have some positive mentions uh, with regards to Image Comics. Uh, Spawn became the first Image Comic to reach issue 300 this year, um, although it did celebrate it with 19 different variant covers. But, but they don't do that with every single issue. No, but all the it's same, I thought... Ra- it's, a ra- it's kind of a rarity with actual Spawn comics to do yes. much in the way of variants. But all the same, fair play to them, because it's nice to see that that happened, because with Image, there was constant re-releases of issue ones with foil <laughs> covers and shit like that, just so they could keep... I don't know, I don't know what behind it was, but it was nice to see that Spawn managed that. So, again, congrats to them. They also managed to outsell Spider-Man. Yes, they did. 
And then we've got the Walking oh, Dead. The, uh, the oh, silence on, on. was different. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Go on, Scott. Hold on, hold on. You want to say We're not done with Spawn yet, though. See, Go on. This is, this, is, this is a great story of a success that uh, I think we're kind of glossing past. McFarlane has maintained creative control of that comic since the very beginning. Yes. He hasn't fucking bowed and scraped fucking social pressures or any other bullshit. Mm-hmm. And he's just released consistently good book. I mean... If you want to look at a model for the uh, success of comics, look no further than Todd McFarlane. You make a good product, people are going to support it. I mean, come Mm. on, man. It it doesn't get any more easy than that, you know? Yeah. Mm. How do we do this? Well, why don't you ask Todd McFarlane? (laughs) Also, he's been smart enough, like you said, to basically hold on to his IP Mm -hmm. like a curmudgeon old grandfather. In that, <laughs> any time people approach him, he's like, "I would like to do this with it." He's like, "Okay," and they're like, "Hand over control." No. Yeah, exactly. And he yeah. has been a hundred percent vindicated in that regard. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. The one time he did was a Spawn movie, and since that, oh god, come to me and ask me for, to <laughs> hand over control. I'm going to say no, and if you try to weasel me, I'm going to say there's a fucking door. Yeah, you know I, I, I saw recently, and oof, is it painful? Yeah, I, I I watched it in the cinema when it came out over here, and yeah. I'll tell you what, there was me, and there was about five other people in that room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's going to be about four more people have seen cats. So, <laughs> right, but and then that um, one time, like that was the one time he trusted someone, allowed them to have full control. And I remember they had a making of thing and commentary, and he was scathing yeah. in that about how furious he was with what they did with it, how mm. pushed out it was, and how he was never, ever going to let anyone have any control over it ever again. Right. And then uh, we have the Walking Dead series. Um, it finished this year with the issue 193, and there was no prior warning or any kind of media attention. To the whole thing it literally just stopped uh with the final issue one variant to accompany it i thought well done i i, I really admire that because usually yeah usually there is some kind of mass announcement but kirkman didn't do anything like that um you so know, you again know what I liked about the issue what's that the issue has this very subtle it has a very subtle uh message <clears throat> and you you wouldn't you, you uh you know most people might not have picked up i think mm-hmm and well, it's I, that I, well, when society is going crazy and saying outlandish and doing outlandish and stupid things, you have to say no. <laughs> and um, also, also Epstein didn't kill himself, but you know. Oh, shut <laughs> up! <laughs> there, you go, there you go. No, but I mean, it's it's kind of like it, it's very it's very uh, apropos of what's happening in society today, where people are saying and doing all this crazy shit, like with the JK Rowling thing, where she's like, she says something that is verifiably factually true. And then gets put through the fucking ringer about it by the fucking mm-hmm. online community. And it's like, it was kind of like in the, in the comic, Carl's like, you know, he's old man, Carl. And he's yeah. like, fucking putting these things down. I don't care what you fucking say about it. This is wrong. You're wrong. And I'm taking a stand. Yeah. And it's like, Fucking brilliant! Yeah, <laughs> like, wow, absolutely. So prevails. Yeah, fair play to him. Yeah, I, I I might try and pick up that issue at some point just to read it. But obviously, oh, there's no no because I missed oh, it completely good. because of some money issues this year. But oh, obviously, yeah. I'm not going to try and get all the series because apparently issue one is still valued at something like three thousand eight hundred dollars. So oh, God, mm-hmm. 
yeah. remember when that came out and I was like, man, I should start picking these up. These are really yeah. good. I'm yeah. Kicking myself over that shit still. Yeah, see, yeah. Now I'm glad that when I started into it, it was already going to graphic novel form because I've got one and two of graphic novel version. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'm quite happy with That's that. That's great about the collected editions is that yeah. they actually exist and you get that stuff. And, and they're relatively inexpensive too. It's fantastic. Mm. I just I just internally like the idea of like Carl being followed around by the ghost of his dad just telling him terrible jokes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, All right. Um. <laughs> All right, so I did myself. Yeah. All right, so IDW and they get a good mention this year, which is shocking, I know. Uh, Scott, I think you'll like this one. Uh, they published the Transformers Ghostbusters crossover miniseries. It's not canon. I need to point that out now. Um, but it was a lot of fun. No com- current climate commentary on politics and all that. I won't spoil the story, but I'll, I had to include this because I know Scott was going to like this bit. Yeah. Uh, there's an end. There's a bit of the end of issue four where the ghost of Megatron uh, <laughs> challenges Prime to a fight. As they went, when they're on Earth, and uh, Wait, Megatron's the ghost of Megatron. Not... Yeah, I won't. It's a long Starscream? story, but it, well, the Starscream's a ghost as well. But it's a long story. But okay, I was going to say yeah. um, Megatron says to Prime, "You were always a coward," and Prime Ooh. says, "Hang on," and Prime says, "No, I was just tired of war. But one thing I am not is afraid of a ghost." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, I thought you'd like that because because. Because when I saw that bit, I went, ha, boom, brilliant. <laughs> and apparently they're now doing a crossover with Dark Horse in April of uh, Transformers versus Terminator. Oh, yeah, I saw um, that. I yeah, saw the so, yeah, so I'm buying it, that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit torn on stuff like this because it's it's kind of silly. But then again, you know, the, yeah, the, but when we were growing up, the crossovers that were coming out were like yeah. X-Men and Star Trek, and yeah, like yeah. Even before that, there were even oh. fucking more asinine yeah. crossovers. So, that's but, point. Like, yeah, be silly. Oh, fuck it, we'll see. Yeah, but with yeah. this, I think I the think writer, silly, they're, yeah, they're meant to not be taken as canon. They're just a bit of fun. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like Elseworlds. I, I think, I think with this, though, the writer was conscious of that, and he decided with it. And absolute fair play to him. So, yeah, I thought he'd like that little bit, Scott, because oh. as soon as I've read that, I thought, yeah, Scott would like this bit. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Man, so talk about the Ghostbusters trailer at some point. I'm hoping. Uh, oh, yes, yes uh, that'll be fun. Just well, for the re yeah. of the 2016 crowd, <laughs> and, right, yeah. and the very unsubtle pop the director had at that. Movie. Yes, Ooh, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Right, okay, so <laughs> uh, San Francisco Comic Con this year, and we got the announcement of what Marvel Phase Four is going to look like. Uh, Blade, Thor, Love and Thunder, Black Widow, Eternals, uh, Shang Chi, and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, the TV series consisting of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, What If, and Hawkeye, with others being announced later on. Uh, okay, so now we know what Phase 4 looks like. What are your thoughts? Um, good stories. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's just like, eh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I just, again, I'm like, I, I, given, given that, they, that, that, yeah, just, I'm, I'm really not, interested unless unless they come out and they're actually good because again we just saw the wokitude uh slowly tree creeping in at the very end yeah. of that yeah. last arc so it's just like eh i just i'm just done like i just eh yeah <laughs> i can't Cause, get enthused because obviously with thor love and thunder they're adapting modern marvel jane picking up the hammer and i thought good luck with that <laughs> 
But you know what though? It's Taika Waititi, and he's yeah, I, I know, but don't care. Yeah, I think it's like, like if they're gonna tell good stories, then cool. I'm I'm down yeah. with it. When they start doing dumb shit, um, you know, I won't support yeah. it. I mean, exactly. it's like I said though. Once once Endgame came, I thought that's it. I'm I'm done now, and I couldn't muster the interest. I was thinking about looking at the What If series because I read the comic series and I thought it was oh, great, but dude, it's on Disney really Plus. Cool, yeah, but dude, it's on Disney Plus. Look, I'll give you a link to something where you can watch it. Don't worry about right, it. Okay. Gotcha, right, okay. <laughs> Yar, seriously. Yar, yeah. yeah. Wink, wink. Right. Look, so I'm saying, like, seriously, look. Fucking Agent Carter, fucking is Captain Britain, and then Steve Rogers is Iron Man, the cartoon, and then Zombie, fucking yeah. Captain America. I'm like, come on, fuck yeah, dude! I'm I'm really excited about that. And, and mm-hmm. fucking Falcon and Winter Soldier, super stoked about that because Anthony yeah. Mackie is fucking yeah. baller as fuck, man. Oh, I'm so stoked on that. I can't wait to see it. I hope it's good. I really sincerely do. Mm-hmm. And the movies, I hope they're good too. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yes. I want to right. be surprised, but you know I'm not going to be shocked if I'm not. So yeah, I mean, obviously, well, when the time comes, we'll talk about them. But yeah, it's not. I'm not going to hate on them just to be part of the crowd. But no, I just, I'm not. I, no, but no. I just, but I just couldn't muster the interest because Endgame was it for me, and I know oh, I'm being sure. a bit. Endgame yeah, and, was and I'm, it for a lot yeah. of people. And but I'm also I'll be honest, going in with the first Avengers and other stuff. I was very, I'll wait and see, yeah. and was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I'm doing the same but, again. I'm like, I'll wait and see. Yeah. And it'll either be good, it'll either be bad, it'll yeah. be meh. We'll see. And but I'm also the end game too though is that Endgame was that was the bookend. That was yes. It was what it needed to be. So mm-hmm. that was a perfect place if like you get you get everything you needed and wanted out of Endgame. So it worked. Yeah. But um I think they're also gonna lack that magic of the Stanley cameo. Unless they're going to do what we what Wombat suggested a little while ago and have his picture in a poster or in a picture in a window or something, but yeah, that little bit of magic's gone now, and I don't know, it don't feel the right with me. Yeah, it's the or 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 worse. Um, I'm hoping they don't is doing face tracking technology type thing and still yeah. having him turn up that way. And yeah, just, I don't. I don't. That would just feel extremely wrong. Yeah, Wait. I don't. I don't approve of that at all because obviously they've done this with Carrie Fisher in the latest Star Wars. Didn't they make it? Didn't somebody? I don't know if it was a joke or not. Stanley actually said something about how he went in and recorded a bunch of lines. So when he when he died, because when he was getting sick, he's like, "Well, yeah, we went into the studio and I recorded a bunch of lines so that they're gonna have cameos for the next ten years or something like yeah, that." Yeah, no, I don't. I don't agree with it because uh, because obviously that story went around. I think it was last month where they're using James Dean's image. In the movie. Oh yeah, they're making a CGI and, thing of it. Yeah, and I didn't agree with that in the slightest. So I hope yeah. they don't do that with this. But right. you know what? Here's the thing. The, yeah. the, the thing with the Stanley cameos, they were a nice nod to the fans. Yes. And it, even without them, it's it's not gonna people aren't gonna notice really. The fans are gonna be like, Oh, well, you know, it was, it was, we got what we got though. So it was like, you know, be happy that you had the things that you did have because they were they were fucking funny. There were a lot of really fucking cute and clever things. So yeah. Um, but one thing we do have to uh, mention as a bookend to a previous topic is the Captain Marvel Blu-ray sales, because we did talk about this earlier in the year, didn't we? Yes, they were. <laughs> wait, well, no, wait for it. You're going to like this. Um, I checked the numbers uh, shortly before recording this, and uh, they took a while to appear, by the way. And as of this recording, 
the Blu-ray has sold and DVD have sold a combined amount of 2.9 million copies, uh, and it's the third top-selling Blu-ray this year. See, I uh, I, I call really? bullshit. No, I call bullshit on those numbers. I do. Why? Right. Just like the theater be- numbers. Because Disney is increasingly it is people are getting increasingly suspicious of their numbers mm-hmm. um, because of accounting weirdness. So, for example, what we've seen with their parks is them counting things like complimentary dinners and and you know freebies are basically being counted as sales. I am wondering whether Disney was doing the same thing with those DVDs blue and Blu-rays if they're giving them away in like you know goodie bags or whatever else it, yeah. is yeah, counting them as sales. Yeah. Right. Because now, it's just. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. obviously, obviously, this is this is obviously difficult to prove. Um, and I do hear what you're saying. I mean, they had the option to pre-order it on Sky when it was announced, and. Uh, sorry, when the Blu-ray was announced, and they were doing an offer for a Disney voucher for the Disney store, mm. which right. is I don't, yeah, which I've never seen them do before. Yeah, you get so like a coupon I think, for whatever yeah. if you if you do the purchase. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So, and I, like I said, I thought, well, I wonder if that helped things along as well, because obviously, from a political side side of things, besides story, this movie needed to sell, and it has. Well, so. let, let's not forget what happened when the movie initially came out, and Disney was literally buying out entire yep. theaters. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. let's not forget that because that is oh, no. that is that is a very damning, uh, you know, bit of information mm. that most people aren't aware of. That, like, that you know, they said, "Oh, this is the biggest numbers for this weekend." Da, 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 da. But Disney was literally buying the theaters out, like the the, the seats out, mm. and they were making it. They were forcing the theater owners to only play that movie so mm-hmm. there's no competition so it's like the whole thing has been an artificial it's been a fucking lie since the very mm. beginning and even with the fu- and like christ i know we t- I, t- I talked about this last time and i'll just mention it very briefly was when i yeah. brought up like when when uh marvel was going on about oh the first female composer for a movie yeah yeah i remember you saying about twitter and my twitter fucking exploded because i was like yeah no this is a fucking total lie and i pointed out exactly how yes the shit went viral and because it was a fucking, it was a lie. It was an absolute yeah. lie. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It. And people started realizing it. They're like, well, this, yeah. shit, this is a total fucking sham. Oh, yeah. It's not just a lie. It's incredibly disrespectful for all the women have gone exactly. before making music. And that was, the thing, yeah. that was the thing I put out. I was like, okay, well, let's just ignore Yoko Kano and fucking uh, Shirley Walker and mm. myriads of other people. Wendy Carlos, who did Tron in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on, dude. The endless number. Oh, yeah, well, it's just, it's the same thing as when they said Black Panther was the first black superhero movie, and I'm thinking, <laughs> and I'm and I'm and I'm thinking, I swear I saw the Blade trilogy in the cinema. Or did I just dream that? Yeah, life? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Among it's other just, things. Yeah. I mean, now, you know, even if we're talking about what's his name, uh, uh, was it Comet Man or whatever the the comedian guy from the eighties? Uh, Meteor yeah, Man. Meteor Man. I mean, come yeah. on, mm. please. Uh, I forget. Yeah, what his yeah. Name, but you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. First black now, superhero movie. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Now, since since we've mentioned Brie Larson, uh, it, it, it would be criminal of me not to mention this next bit. Now, obviously, when you've got uh, these celebrities, actresses, and all that that are woke, very woke, there's usually a reason why, usually to appease the community for some ill thing they've done in the past. Uh, Larson, that turned, her reason was revealed early this year when a long-deleted trailer for a movie she'd done before, Captain Marvel, was uploaded to YouTube. Uh, called Basmati Blues, 
and it was scrubbed from existence after it was branded unbelievably racist and insulting. Uh, was it really? One, hang on, wait for it. One media Indian movie critic in particular, because in the movie, uh, after she arrives in India, even though she says shortly before she doesn't have a passport, mm. uh, she steps in shit in the street, befriends a goat, <laughs> observes the character eating rice from a banana leaf, and meets a man <laughs> with the last name Patel. When I point out here, the name Patel, while stereotypical, is not actually that common. And this is all before she dresses in Indian clothing, dances Bollywood style, and sings with a guitar. Uh-huh. Uh, right, this, the, this is the standard middle, middle-aged that. white girl life, midlife crisis trip to India. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a friend of mine told me that actually yeah. one movie, though, and I'm just like, Cup, well, yeah, I don't know it's, about it's all also, that. Yeah, it's also coupled with the whole white saviour narrative, which doesn't go down very well in some parts of the world. Um, the trailer, you have to see it to believe it, uh, especially when she sings. It's no wonder she doesn't sing anymore. <laughs> it is on Prime Video, uh, and I considered watching it to talk about it on this podcast, but I just I realized I just didn't hate myself much. So I couldn't bring myself to do it. But um, yeah. after its release, the producers had to issue an apology when the backlash became that intense. And it was pulled from theatres after only making uh, fifteen and a half grand. So, so her and Mike Myers have the the uh, unfortunate, uh, you know, they they're joining an unfortunate club where they're essentially they're just getting dunked on by India. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, it took fifteen and a half grand, as I said, but no budget information was available. <laughs> I could only wonder. Um, oh God. I wonder if it was as I wonder if it was as good as uh, the unicorn store or whatever that fucking abysmal pile of shit was. I I couldn't tell you, but like, but that's another one I just simply wouldn't go anywhere near. I mean, obviously I love doing these podcasts, but there's some things even I wouldn't do for this podcast. So that's okay. I did it for yeah, you. yeah. But um, <laughs> you Rotten Tomatoes listing had it as critics eleven percent and fans fifty eight percent, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of yeah, we we need to talk about that when with uh, we will. it looks like. No, just in terms of Rotten Tomatoes, it looks like Disney's messing with Rotten Tomatoes again in terms of mm-hmm. uh, uh, ratings. Yeah. Now, what was interesting about this when the trailer was released, uh, it was only a couple of small sites that covered this um, and the, the film in general, but none of the big sites went anywhere near it, so make of that what you will. All right, and on to our regular visit to the Disney Star Wars universe now. A bit to talk about here. First of all, catching up with the whole Galaxy's Edge resort. Uh, numerous reports of sparse visitors' numbers, um, and that's when fights weren't breaking out, of course. Uh, apparently, the, the decline was due to lower annual passhold visitation and concerns of crowding, uh, and also an increase in local hotel prices. Uh, it was even one of the... Sorry, even reported that one of the major rides they opened in the park actually broke down. Uh, footage later emerged from a mobile phone documenting the event in question, which was funny to watch. They've had that happen three times now. <laughs> uh, and there are also complaints on Twitter from those who paid uh, $200 for the custom lightsaber with them breaking soon after they've got them. Uh, some from people even saying they had their sabers break or start playing up before they even made it out of the park. I mean, I don't know. I just like it, nothing surprises me really. I mean, it's no. Like, look, it, 
Yeah. See, there's your brain <laughs> yeah. going to there break into a hole again. <laughs> it's like, EXE stopped working. Yeah. It's like, please, re- please reboot your Scott. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mean, look, if you're going to spend $200, at least fucking go to Sideshow or someplace that actually, or well, I forget what the other prop m- makers were, but they like yeah. make legitimate fucking like, you know, real deal replicas. Mm. They're like two, 300 bucks. I mean, you know, you get what you pay for. I mean, if you're going to a theme park and buying something for two hundred dollars, you're not getting a quality product. I'm no. sorry. Come on. But hey, right. suckers born every minute, right? Yep. All right, and then on to the bigger story regarding Disney, and that was the release of Bob Iger's autobiography. And oh, it really autobiography. Yeah, yeah, and it revealed uh with regards to the Star Wars purchase and development that Lucas felt betrayed by what Disney had done. Uh with his movies, specifically uh, Force Awakens. Uh, and he didn't hardly disappoint once he saw it, saying there was nothing new about it, not in the visual or technical leaps forward. Uh, but I also conceded in the autobiography that yearly Star's releases might have hurt the franchise. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have told you that. Yeah, we, well, we did kind of call this, didn't we? Because when oh, they opened come. Galaxy's Edge, uh, there was that pic- a picture of the cast there and Lucas, and like I said, he looked like he didn't want to be there. And I thought, well, there we go. Oh, yeah, he had the same kind of mannerisms as Bill Cosby in the fucking 2016 Ghostbusters. He's like, I am contractually obligated to say this is awesome. Bill Cosby? Fucking... Did I say Bill Cosby? Yeah, you said Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell? I mean, Ghostbusters 2016 would have been better if Bill Cosby. Oh, uh, <laughs> would it? <laughs> well, yeah, he could have, he could have, he could, he could have give, given them. He could have given them all delicious banana pudding. They would have had. No, stop it! No. Oh, Bill. around the craft tape, the craft service team. Oh. Like I'm, I'm sitting there hearing you say Bill Cosby. I'm thinking, what? Was he in that? that? And I missed Ooh. it. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> Bill Murray. Sorry. Yeah, that's Ooh. it. Yeah. Uh, but we do get to give a positive mention here with um, The Mandalorian. Is there yep. anything positive about it? Well, Baby, a lot I'm going to have some unpopular opinions, but please go well, on. <laughs> no, no, apparently a lot of the fan feedback that I've seen has rated this as a very good Star Wars uh, I don't know, product. Is that the right word? Yeah. Uh, but I'm oh. guessing, Scott, you have something to say about that. Well, okay. I, I sound more damning coming into this than I actually am. I just, go on. I've, I've watched up to, I think the latest is uh, episode seven, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just kind of like, eh, it's fine. Okay. I, I just I am completely nonplussed by everything I have seen so far. There's mm-hmm. been nothing that is like and, and this is the problem with um apparently there's a new director on every on every episode. If yeah, I've seen that, yeah. And and it it shows. It shows yeah. there's a level of incon- inconsistency within the within the series mm-hmm. that is very obvious if you're paying attention. And mm-hmm. it's not bad. It's not okay. bad, but it's just it's, it's just mediocre. Just, yeah, it is. It's just kind of run of the mill. Just it, it's basically it's it's a it's a gunslinger old west movie stretched out into eight episodes essentially, and okay. it's kind of very tropey, kind of basic, kind of like, you know. It's like yeah, been there, done that, and, and and again, it's not bad. It's just kind of. I mean, the production values are actually very good. I'll say that. Okay. But it's well, just kind of, it's just kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah. I, 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 well, I remember seeing the director list, and obviously one of the directors is Bryce Dallas Howard. Like, mm-hmm. hmm, I wonder how you got that job. Um, 
Yeah, Wait, obviously. Yeah. She. Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Blake Northcott? Yeah, that dude? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Right, anyway. Uh, but sad... <laughs> uh, but it was actually reported that the first episode of The Mandalorian was pirated and on the internet within an hour of its oh, release. I can... Yes, it was. I mean, yeah. I didn't do it, but it yeah. was there. I didn't do it, he says. We all know why it's doing so well. Because it's not because terrible. It's the only thing that's actually Star Wars that's been eating Star Wars for how many years now? There you go. All right, Peter, that sounds like you're making a very bold statement about Disney Star Wars there. Would you like to explain that a bit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see here. Um, completely threw a cannon out the window. Don't acknowledge the fact that there's comics and books and everything dating back 40 years. And then yep. complain, oh, we have nothing to go from to grow by our stories from. Yeah. Really? I, I couldn't believe. Yeah, I know. I remember seeing that quote and thinking, I can't believe you had the audacity to say that since you just chucked all the fan love material out the window when you got this franchise. But, you know, you do you. And it says well, something it's like, as okay as Mandalorian is, people lapping it up is like, we're finally actually getting something that's recognizably Star Wars. Mm hmm. Yeah, Even agreed. if it's mediocre. Agreed. Yep. Right. Uh, individual controversies, which was a new one started this year. Uh, we had a couple of updates on two of the individuals involved. First of all was uh, the Mick, Vic Mignana court case. Um, this was a roller coaster of events that uh, didn't quite go the way people were hoping it would. Uh, Peter, I think you kept up this a lot, didn't you? Yes. That's going back to appeals. Actually, appeal has been approved because another judge basically looked at the denial and gone, why are you denying this? There is no reason to deny this. There is no reason to issue any ruling to issue out any money. That's being yeah. basically written off, and it's like, no, that was a false ruling. Application for appeal is going forward. <clears throat> so we will see what happens with that. But uh, people well, have been – well, It's a case of something will happen, good, bad, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. All right, and then we had uh, the Jussie Smollett uh, situation, uh, and we made the joke uh, during the live stream that when it sounds too close to a law episode of Law and Order, <laughs> it turns out there is actually a Law and Order episode to be made based on the incident. Oh no, they didn't. Yeah, but it's being made apparently. So one, but you can chalk that one up to you calling that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Jesse Smollett, Law and Order, huh? Right. Yeah. I mean, hell, right. I did Gamergate. Why not this, you know? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Right, so we'll start off uh, talking about some of the content that come out on the streaming services first. Uh, I, I haven't bothered with anything from uh, Disney Plus or Apple yet because, obviously, I, I don't think it's worth talking about. <laughs> oh, God, Apple did. Oh, yeah, I forgot they even had one. That's right. Yeah. Right, yeah. and you notice uh, throughout this, we, we we will quote Rotten Tomatoes. Now, obviously, Wombat has just said about the numbers manipulation by Disney. But the reason we mentioned it on this podcast is as kind of a drop-off point, uh, but also to look at the continuing gap between critics and fans in some cases. Amazon content, because we've never talked about it before. And the first one to mention is kind of a cross between a mention and an honorable mention, because I completely missed this, and I'm quite ashamed that I did. And that was the marvelous Miss Maisel. Oh my god, dude! Yes, yeah. let's talk about that, I, please. Right, I watched the first episode this week, and the comic timing of the main character before she does what she does <laughs> is fantastic. Yeah. And the 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 actress that plays her, Rachel Brosnahan, 
She's won three different awards for her role, and quite rightly so. Uh, for anyone that likes stand-up comedy um, and the drama of a woman whose life just collapses around her but finds some solace and a way out of it, check it out. It's How far it's fantastic. Are you? I watched the pilot because I wanted to have something to talk about with this podcast. And like I said, there's three series out at the yeah. time of this recording. Yeah. Uh, and I hope many more because it oh, is fantastic. Got oh, good. I'm, I'm glad. But like I said, I am so ashamed that I missed it. But uh, I will make an effort to watch it all now. It is. And Scott, I know you've got something to say. Yep, go on. I um yeah. I don't watch I, I generally don't watch a lot of TV I don't even own a TV like if I watch something it's it's online basically and mm-hmm. we have uh we have the Amazon whatever plus or whatever the fuck it is right and yep. so I started started checking out some of these shows I was like well fuck it if we got it might as well check it out and see what it, what's on it right yeah. and Maisel was a hit from the first episode man that oh, shit yeah. is funny and the th- the thing is too it's like it's the kind of show that's not like it's not like rip roaring outrageously funny. No, but it's 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 got it's got moments like that where you will laugh out loud. You'd be like, oh, Holy yeah, shit. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a fucking rib tickler, but it's just it's such an endearing and well acted and well written and, and just funny show. It's just so good. And the yeah. characters are all so fun. And yeah, because oh, it's, the, such a, it's a story to watch it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, because the scene that oh, sticks in my mind is the one where he's leaving her and she says, oh, what are yeah. you doing? He says, I'm leaving you. And she goes, that's my suitcase. <laughs> and the thing is for those who don't know he's leaving her for his dumbass secretary yeah. and his secretary she notices that she, that she can't use an electric pencil sharpener properly um and as she's as he's getting ready to go she says to him there's some pens on the side take them you're gonna need them <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, 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 I was dying when I watched that, but I thought, yeah, fair play. I'm going to make an effort to watch this now because I can't believe I missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right, and, then, and, and yeah, later on in like season two and season three, they're just oh, it's so good. Like Alex Borstein is in it. If you mm-hmm. know, she plays uh, the, she was on Mad TV. She was Mrs. Swan, and you know, and she's great. And just there's so there's so many great performances in it. And th- this guy, I forget his name, he's this Canadian actor. He plays Lenny Bruce. Yes, and I remember. He's him. fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. And basically, basically, what this is supposed to be about. This is supposed to be about Joan Rivers when she first got into comedy. It's like it's yeah. loosely based on her. And I, I, I think we talked about this before, but Joan Rivers was a fucking beast, man. She was a <laughs> murderer. Like she just, oh my god, she is one of the funniest motherfucking people that ever lived. She is so just savage and scathing. Like when, yeah, god, when she would be on the roasts, oh, she would just eviscerate people. She's so yeah. funny. And this show is just it. It really it's it's a joy to watch. Like some shows, like feel like work. Like you're going, you know, like obviously this is a com- this is a funny show. It's a comedy show. Yes, so there's, you know. And it just—it's light. It's comedic. Tony Shalhoub yeah. is fucking funny as her dad and her mom. Mm-hmm. The woman who plays her mom is great. And just yeah. so many funny, funny. Kevin Pollock is great as her ex-husband's father. Just, oh, it's ridiculous. It's so funny because the the thing about it too is like the characters. It's like, oh yeah, I know that person. I know that person. It's like mm-hmm. they're, they're so they're so real and so relatable. It's just, it's great. It's just wonderful. Yeah. All right, and then to on to something which. Quite frankly, ended up and the way it ended up, sorry, is an absolute crime, and that was uh, Swamp Thing. Um, oh man, yeah, didn't yeah, it get no. canceled after like one episode? Yes, um, 
Well, and that I... got truncated from 13 episodes to 10. Yeah, and canned after one. So the writers wow. had to do a rush job on how to finish it. And it's so a crime, did honestly. Make, did they make the all the like the, the ten episodes? Did yes, they out, it's, they're out there. They're on Amazon. I watched them all. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize um, it's finished, but sort of rushed and truncated and just fucked up. Yeah. Right. Now this was apparently down to um, behind the scenes differences and budget shorts, <laughs> and apparently as well as ex- an expected level of tax rebate being substantially reduced. Um, mm. It was a lot of financial fuck ups in the background. Yeah. Of the, basically, budgeting was set one way. Someone and someone else higher up, basically, like, how the fuck did they get that budget? That was not what was agreed. Then tax return stuff was mis- misrepresented and whatnot, and it was just a complete clusterfuck behind the scenes. But yeah. also, apparently, the higher ups were like, "We don't even want this thing. We don't even want it to be made." So we're also going to sabotage it every way we can to get our money back and just get rid of it. Yeah. And I, I, I call this a crime because of how well done it was. Um, the Swamp Thing, when he appears, he looks amazing. They really put some money into that costume and, well, costume, sorry, prosthetics and the eye makeup especially. Um, because I've got the original Wes Craven Blu-ray of Swamp Thing um, on my shelf. And even though it's fun, but you can blatantly tell it's a guy in a rubber suit. Yeah, on this, oh, yeah, yeah, that's like decades yeah. old, though, isn't it? Yeah, but on this, he looked amazing, and the guy that played him did a fantastic job. But the last episode is is horrible because it leaves a few cliffhangers. Uh, I just thought, you know wow. I remember, I'm oh, sorry, but no, I, I just I felt so bad for it because it ended on such a terrible note, and obviously we won't know whatever happens now. So, yeah, yeah, it's a shame. You know, the only thing that I remember about the Swamp Thing, the the mm-hmm. movie, is, uh, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I remember him having the same problem as, ba- as uh, Keaton did in the original Batman, where yeah. he couldn't turn his head, and every time he had to look, he had to actually move his whole body just, like, as it could yeah. be because of the makeup. <laughs> yeah. there's so much prosthetics and stuff on it. Yeah. yeah. That's the only thing I remember there was, there was even a nice little cameo in the series from Adrian Bo, who was in the original Swamp Thing. Bob. Yeah. Yeah, Scott's, ooh, yeah, he knows why I'm saying that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And finally for Amazon, there's Carnival Row. Oh, that's uh, good. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a very good, I think, I don't know, is it fair to call it a steampunk fantasy with a bit of horror yeah, mixed in? I'd say. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, uh, 1920s gangstery. More yeah. Elements. Yeah. Yeah. Put it under, but yeah, yeah, both of those. It's yeah. got a, new, um, it's a noir, steampunky kind of yeah, thing. But it's Diesel very punk. well made. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's um, an enjoyable show for sure, and and certainly great turns from Orlando Bloom and Cara Delevingne. Oh, um, she's great in it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. For those who don't know, Cara Cara Delevingne, she was the huntress. No, the, the, the oh, Boris, what's her name again? The sorceress <laughs> in um, what did I say? Huntress in Suicide, Suicide Squad. There we go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's not a good role for her. <laughs> well, wow. less like, about see, that, the, the better. The difference between that and Carnival Row, it's like this is the same person. Uh-huh. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, and again, great. it is very worth the time watching. It really is. It's a, it's a yeah. very enjoyable story. Right. So now Netflix content, and we've got a lot more here to talk about than we usually do, which is uh, nice to see. Right. So first of all, we'll talk about the movies. And we can't start with anything except The Irishman. I sat and watched this, and I really enjoyed it. 
I really enjoyed it, but it probably should have been 40 minutes shorter than it was. <laughs> yeah, you're not the first person I've heard say that either. Yeah, one of the most anticipated movies of the year also, given the fuss that was uh, kicked up after Scorsese oh, when talking about it, referred to Marvel movies as theme parks. Uh, but he's not and- wrong. No, he's but, not wrong. I totally agree wrong. with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But when, but obviously, when he said this, the progressives come after him, and Scorsese <laughs> not giving a fuck, he doubled down. Um, hmm. A you budget of a pound. Just know if I can address that real quick. Yeah, go on. The thing about Scorsese saying that is, he even admitted that he hadn't seen them. Uh-huh. So it's like, I, as somebody who is heavily invested in that movie universe and really enjoys those films, you know, yeah. I, very highly of them, and for somebody to come out and say the things that he did about them without actually having engaged with them. That's that kind of bothers me, but he does make a point. I understand what he's saying because it's kind of like, and the thing I equated to is like, if you look in the Sunday paper in a comic strip, that is not the same thing as a comic book. One is something very, you know, specific and the other can be elevated to very legitimate art form, you know? So, Mm. so I get what he's saying there. There's the same kind of equivalence with, with the movies. It's like some movies are, popcorn and some movies are cinema so yes it has a point to a certain degree but yeah when he doesn't have a leg to stand on is when he's you know saying these things without having any actual experience with them just like yeah kind of but eh. with the stats for the movie i mean a budget of 159 million which is the most expensive he's ever done uh it took 7.8 million at the cinemas before netflix took it uh critics 96 percent on rotten tomatoes fans uh 86 which is interesting. And yeah, the, the familiar feedback I've heard about it is that it could have been shorter. And I was talking about this with a friend yesterday. And I said to him, um, one thing you've got to remember, because it's an old man telling his story, essentially, is that old men do not edit. So when you get the story, you get all the story, which I think was what was going on here. Uh, my my thing for that is not necessarily that. It's just they had a lot of just... just uh, f- I can basically... So it's, it's cinematographer masturbation shots, um, <laughs> where, you've, where you've just got you know there's this it's just you know scenes of the you know just just uh, just just basically background scenes like you know they're changing a tire and then like the, you know the yeah, wives yeah. it's just just stuff like that where I'm like there was just a lot of that right mm. it's just yeah I get it you, you your cinematographer wants to you know you you let him you let him do a, probably a bit more it's just there was just stuff like that and I'm like yeah it was just. And and in some respects, you know, it sort of punctuated the action when it did happen and and the rest Mm -hmm. of it, but it was just, yeah, there was just a little too much of that. Yeah. Um, But it had one of the most impressive lineups of a cast I've seen for a long time. I mean, De Niro, Pesci, Pacino, Harvey Keitel, Anna Paquin, Ray Romano. Fantastic. Ray Romano. No, seriously. Well, no, he was good in this movie. No, no, I, I, yeah, no, he was. Everybody was. It was yeah. just, it's just funny hearing Ray Romano thrown in there. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, the people found a reason to kick up a stink with it. And that Anna Paquin only has one line in the movie. Oh, yeah. That but, is, the, those people didn't watch the movie then. They don't no, understand the I mean, context of the why way. The occurred. way. The way her character came across to me was she was kind of like the eyes of judgment because she'd figured out what her dad was early. Yeah. And the looks that she's giving him speak much more than words. She was, yeah, she was the angel like, I on know his shoulder, basically. Yeah, she's yeah. Like, I know, I know what you're doing, and you're my, but you're my dad. But it doesn't mean I have to approve of it. Mm-hmm. Right. You but, know, what? Uh, I, I, I like. I'm kind of torn on this because 
as a kind of film snob, you know, I get what mm-hmm. Scorsese was doing. I understand yeah. he's he's really he's kind of putting in the time to show you the banality of the things that happen outside of the shootings and all the other kind of, you know, the stuff. Yeah. But then the problem was it was like the action scenes were so they were they weren't punctuated as well as some of the stuff that he's done in the past with like with the use of like soundtracks or scoring or, or yeah, there was very little scoring in this, wasn't there? Yeah, and and I think that kind of hurt it, at least for me anyway, because like he had like if you're talking about um, uh, Casino or Goodfellas or whatever, yeah, you're talking about those movies. They they relied very heavily on audio cues and and scoring and things like that to really yeah. kind of punctuate the action and set things up and give you a give you a sense of feeling and tone and and without that, I it, I, I mean. It, I don't want to say it's like a cop out or anything, but no, to use those kind of things. But it felt like that it didn't have kind of the impact. Like some of the like some of the action scenes were just kind of like, okay, well that happened, and okay, yeah, you know, and it just kind of felt like tonally it didn't have the kind of the kind of punch that some of his other films had. Yeah. To be fair though, I mean, I I I actually recently got round to watching and uh, was it the old Johnny Depp one, a uh, blow about a guy doing cocaine yeah. trafficking, and I'm like. This is still better than that. They, uh, Blow was actually a movie about cocaine trafficking that I got bored in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I was just like... I think, to me, the message of the movie was that violence does, has, has, blah, 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 violence does have consequence. And it's it, he shows it brilliantly. So if this is his swan song, which it could well be given his age, it's a great swan song. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I no, say it's definitely fine. in my Deadpool for next year. <laughs> oh wow really celebrity deadpool yep well, I, mean, I know what it is but i don't think he's yeah I no mean, again i don't i don't i don't i don't wish any harm on the guy but again he's just getting up to that age yeah oh, maybe, well. all right so the next one is shaft oh uh, i really love that that was, that was oh uh, right uh budget of 30 to 35 million took uh 21.4 at the box office before netflix got it now here's a good one. Critics thirty two percent, fans ninety four, um, and the movie was yes. savaged by these critics for what they called its off color jokes. But me and my wife watched it one Saturday night, and it was one of the funniest fucking movies I've seen for a long time. Really? Yes. Yeah. Again, it's, it's the snowflake critics just going, "Oh, this yeah. is funny for yeah. Oh, no, I'm triggered. Yeah. Go back to Tumblr. Just, yeah, just because, go, go to Tumblr. Do not return. Because obviously, uh, John Shaft Jr. has to team up with Dad to sort the <laughs> case out. Junior is the very example of uh, SJW snowflakes, as the people call them, that are about to no, die. He, 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 he is new, new male. He, yeah. he is he's, he's the millennium male. I have a sensitive male feminist. To like, yeah, yeah. no. He's- Again, his dad yeah. having been, you know, his dad is like, yeah, no, that's shit's not going to yeah. fly. <laughs> but the, the jokes in this were brilliant. Because, um, I mean, obviously, when Junior nearly gets run over, this guy who nearly does it drives past him, fucking millennials. Um, <laughs> and there's a bit later on where uh, he's in an office with uh, dad interrogating this woman, and dad's getting answers out of her by shooting her possessions. And he tries to be nice when she says, look, if you think I'm taking any more questions from you and this Morpheus-looking motherfucker, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> so Shaft responds by shooting her handbag. And Junior <laughs> says, why did you do that? And Shaft goes, all these Lawrence Fishburne comparisons are getting on my nerves now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's because... You know what that's yeah. from? 
Yes, you know, I know. From the interview. Oh, yeah, my yeah. gosh, dude. And as wow, soon as I heard that, I great. laughed. Um, and when Jun- the funny thing is when Junior <laughs> shows what he's capable of, it's when there's an attempted hit on him in the club with the, go- with the woman who becomes his girlfriend. And he grabs her gun. And when he starts shooting back, it's to the soundtrack of uh, the song Be My Baby. And <laughs> as he's shooting, dispatching these bad guys, she's watching him and thinking, oh. <laughs> and, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's like oh and, it's not a little beta bitch after all no mm. and obviously there's a bit where she bites her lip as well watching him um as, as some women do and when the fighting's over he goes oh, i hate guns sasha you okay and she goes yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, i think that that is also why there's just a lot of re from those critics yeah there's a lot of insecurity they're going no 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 women aren't supposed to like that they're supposed to like me and my switch and you know <laughs> yeah so but it was funny and that was one of the moves that i think was very unfairly treated because it dared to make those sort of jokes so yeah but again you, i, I love just messing with them because like because one of the lines you hear whenever you have something that like the rainbow hairs actually i've been i've been dubbing them gozers because they come in <laughs> and destroy things right they they are goes the destroyer of worlds oh look mm-hmm. gozer has come for your fandom yeah. um the Gozer crowd basically going, oh, this off-color humor in the restaurant. One of the lines you hear from them when they take over fandom is, oh, well, this wasn't made for you. Yeah. So you turn around to them for, for, for Shaft and you go, no, this wasn't made for you. Right? Yep. It, it, you know, again, Shaft is a black, you know, it's primarily, you know, one of those black exploitation, you know, black audiences. Like, this isn't made for you. Mm-hmm. Right? And then just say, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it was it was a good one. And like I said, sorry, right, well, it was very unfairly treated. Uh, and the next one was El Camino, uh, which yeah, was... I haven't seen that. Well, me, Wait, I watched that? it. Oh, that was the Breaking Bad thing, wasn't it? Yeah, the Breaking, yeah, was the Breaking Bad thing. I'm just going to hear. Right. I'll try. I'll go through this one quickly. It was essentially a two-hour pro to Breaking Bad. Uh, budget of $6 million, Took $40,000 at the box office before Netflix got it. <laughs> um, critics, 91%. Fans, 81%. It was a, it was a slow burner. And... Had Netflix not been around, I'd have called this a TV movie. It's I wouldn't call it obligatory for Breaking Bad fans. I'd call it optional uh, because I think the series really didn't need it. No, it was just it, it was just one of those cash grab ones. It's just gonna yeah. hey, let's make it. It's like eh, the you know kind of the the hype is over in Breaking Bad. The way they finished it, it mm. finished properly. It's just kind of yeah, yeah, you know, and. They, uh, but on a sad on a sad note, it was uh, Robert Forster's last movie. Uh, he died on the day of its release, uh, age seventy eight. So may he rest in peace. And then to talk about a couple of the stand up specials that uh, Netflix brought out. First of all, there was uh, Aziz Ansari's stand uh, right now stand up, and this was notable because it was the first one he'd done since he was Me Too back in September twenty seventeen. Mm. Um, <laughs> critics eighty six percent, fans seventy six percent. Obviously, no information on budget uh, and everyone was hoping he would address the allegations um, against him and he did at the start and how terrible they made him feel uh, which got some applause from the audience but then he upset the critics by making fun of current woke culture and people earning work points online with stuff they do specifically specifically that young girl that was roasted because she wore a Chinese dress to her prom and got attacked for mm. it as one example all right, so we'll crack on with the next one, which I know people are going to talk about. Uh, Sticks and Stones from Dave Chappelle. Fuck yeah. 
Yeah. Critics, oh. 35%. Fans, 99%. Fucking mm-hmm. critics. And this was probably one of the most funniest stand-ups I've seen for a long time. But again... Oh, it was, oh, it was yeah. genuinely great. Yeah, but again, savaged by critics because of some of the jokes he dared to tell. And my response being, fuck them. Exactly, because uh, he, he makes fun of them as much as anything. And um, the other thing is, the unfortunate thing is, uh, he had a friend who was trans who ended up committing suicide not long after for unrelated issues. And, of course, the critics all tried to blame, blame Dave for it. Mm-hmm. Of course. He's he, the blame for everything, he, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it had some great moments in it, especially when he did the whole Juicy Smoothie bit. Um, yeah. Jeez. Fair play to him. And I hope he does more. Oh, he will, man. Dave Chappelle... Mm. Man, it is it is not a stretch to say that Dave Chappelle is probably the funniest comedian that's ever lived. Yeah. Like he is he has got a style and insight that few people have even come close to. Mhm. I uh, it's I'm like I I'm a I'm a big stand-up. Like I'm a I'm Oh, a, I love stand-up. In my yeah. whole life, man. I've I've gone to shit. I saw a fucking <laughs> I saw Jay Leno at the mosque here in Virginia when I was wow. And man, I'll tell you what, dude, <laughs> he wasn't doing any of the Tonight Show bullshit. Oh, no, you, man, no, it's it's a sad state of affairs when we have to say these sorts of things that there are the comedians that now yeah. would not dare do their sorts of material because, yeah. um, I listened to that recording that got put up on YouTube of the Louis C.K. comeback show that he did. Yeah. Because obviously, for those who don't know, he was me too, but he obviously admitted what he did was true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also went after this politically correct culture and so forth in that, which earned a lot of negative feedback. But he just didn't give a fuck and carried on going. But he started off um, the, the show by going, so, kind of a year did you guys have? And <laughs> the crowd loved it. He got laugh after laugh. Because yeah. he's a funny guy. Yeah. It's not, and it's not like because something bad happened to him that he's going to just stop being a funny guy. It's like, they're no, just, it just he, doesn't go away. It doesn't wash no. off, you know? It's like, come on. Baby. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to talk about a couple of the uh, Netflix series before we jump into the regular TV. Uh, and the first one is The Dark Crystal. Uh, oh, I forgot about that. How is that? Right. That's actually good. Is yeah, it? Critic, critics, yeah, critics 88%, fans 95%. Oh, uh, it's wow. a it's a prequel series to the original movie, um, mm-hmm. made with same looking puppets, uh, some CGI backgrounds, but it is creepy as fuck. Well, yeah, the Skeksis yeah. are fucking creepy yeah. as fuck. Well, yeah. it, it was technically made as closely as they could to remaking exactly the way the original Dark Crystal was made, with all the puppets and everything, just with yep. modernized technology. And mm-hmm. CG was kept to a bare minimum with stuff that was just too hard to do with puppetry, or just to enhance the puppetry. Yeah. So again, fair play to them because they respected the original enough to do that sort of treatment. So, yeah, well, was handling the production of was it Hanson Company? I think it was. Yes, at the same the same age group of as the original one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some people go, "Oh, is it going to aim for the like us now or adults?" I'm like, no, it's going to be the same continuation on of, of the same themes and everything as the original Dark Crystal and the same. Age group the original Dark Crystal was aimed at. Mm-hmm. Have you guys watched the Dark Crystal recently? 
Not the movie, no. I watched it about a year ago, and I was like, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, I, I could see liking this when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and not to say anything bad about it, but it is, it is very much something that, like, like as an adult, as, as the person I am now, it doesn't have the same, it doesn't hold the same kind of, same kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't, it, it didn't, it's not as good as I remembered it, you know, because mm. I, I'm, I'm, rem- I'm seeing it through, you know, adults eyes now. So it's definitely, it's definitely geared towards kids. It was very, very much geared towards kids. For yeah. Sure, for sure. Yeah. And that's exactly what they've done with this yeah. prequel is it's aimed for the same age bracket and do everything the same because yeah. it's meant to be in that world. It's not meant to be made for the adults that have all grown up now. It's meant to be made for right. their kids. It's yeah. not the DC darkened version of it. No, no, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear then. Mm. All right. So on to the final one before we jump into regular TV. The Witcher. Man, I've been hearing a right, lot of different get, things about this. I can't right, wait well, to check it out I'll, I'll, I'll say my little bit on it because I have not... I never played the games and I haven't read the books either, but I checked this out for reasons we're about to get into. Uh, critics, 58%. Fans, 90 Henry Cavill does a great job as Geralt. Geralt, sorry. Geralt of Rivera. But the series earned... Some controversy, let's say, most notably for its changing of the character Triss, who was played in the series by actress Anna Schaffer, who is much notably different looking from the version fans will know. Uh, the showrunner defended this choice, claiming it was based on the book series and not the game. But Which was, a way, lot, which was an outright lie. <laughs> but the way she is on Twitter, because she's very, very woke, it came across as a very thin excuse. Um, no, no, she's lying. It's, it's, it's. She is provably lying. People posted quotes from the book, direct original source quotations. She is lying at her ass. The character of Siri also looks quite different, um, and I say quite different because I'm, I'm quoting the game here with this stuff because people will know the game more. Uh, when yeah, you meet, and, yeah, and we meet Yennefer. Look different from a book, though. You know, that's a thing too. Yeah, I know. And obviously, yeah, when you meet Yennefer in the series, she does not look like she does in the game. She makes herself uh, better looking through. Uh, I'm not. I can't spoil it, but she becomes the better looking version towards the end of episode three. I'd call it a three out of five series from someone who's never seen the games before. But obviously, those who played the games. And have come to love them. And I'm going to count cosplayers in here as well, I think. One, but you can probably verify that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too, the characters just look, the women especially, look too different from those versions. And I really think that was a mistake on the showrunner's part. No, it was deliberate. It's an insult to the fans. I'm, yeah. I'm really, having followed the showrunners and what they're doing, this is a deliberate, this is one of those ones where stop putting people in charge of stuff like this who actively hate the fan base. Because this mm-hmm. was just, it was a lot of deliberate, like, there's, I, I've got big, big feelings about this. And it's not <laughs> just also, not what they've done to the sorceresses as well. It's also the way that they disrespected the, um, the, uh, but he, brain melt, but the, um, Nilfgaardians, right? You have a look at the Nilfgaardians in the game. They're basically an analog of Prussian Germans, right? Medieval Prussian Germans, right? So they've got that sort of aesthetic. So they've got that. And what did they do in the series? They literally turned them into giant black dicks 
and they were uh, there was leaks saying that yeah ball they, they yeah they are literally giant black ball sacks. Their armor is it, they, and this was apparently a, there was yeah. leaks that came out saying yeah the 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 the, the showrunners basically started making a joke about this and then ran with it and just that's what it became. Right, they've turned mm-hmm. Triss into someone who looks like a bitchy high school teacher who wants to talk to you about your behavior after class. Right, mm. the fact that they've put these dumpy-looking women in the roles of sorceresses who basically went, "Hey, we have access to supernatural powers, so we can look supernaturally hot because we can." And it was one of the contentions in the society that people really did not like the sorceresses because they looked unnaturally beautiful, and people would just basically give peasants would say, "Yes, they're dealing with dark powers to look that good." And the thing is, most of the time they weren't wrong. Mm-hmm. Right, so Henry Cavill's carrying it. The guy needs to, buddy, get an Olympic lifting record for just the amount of <laughs> carry he's doing on that show. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's just I like I said, play the games, read the books, and then you'll like. I guarantee, mate, if you even go and play the games, play yeah. Witcher three, right? Mm-hmm. You're going giving it a, th- a three out of five to a one out of five because okay. it just does not do anything justice. And it really is just the showrunners go insulting the fans. Well, there's a PlayStation sale coming up, so I might check it out. Um, <laughs> Mate, but I'll Cap- buy it for you, right? <laughs> just so you can play yeah. it because you need perspective. Yeah. And, and uh, the show is not anywhere close to the games or the books. Yeah, it's just but, um, you know, insulting. Hen- Henry Cavill was praised further because the footage emerged of an interview he'd done. I can't remember who it was with, but the Ooh, interviewer. Uh, I don't think it was BBC, but the interviewer uh, posed him a very loaded question about, oh, about uh, fandoms yeah. and how yeah. they, how some could be so toxic. And the way he said right. toxic is like toxic fans. Yeah. And yeah. Henry Cavill gently disagreed with him, stating he thought there was no such thing as toxic, but he called it passionate fans. Yep. Fair play to him. Same yeah. Man. Also, Pimp, dude, he's not a yeah, fucking also, idiot. Also, Cav- Cavill concer- confirmed his PC master race. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> See, here's the thing: though. you, you had to is... get that in, didn't you? You had to I get did. that. Yes, Cavill's great because, like, he understands that if it wasn't for these toxic fans, he wouldn't yep. have a fucking job. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he understands, like, it, like it. It's gosh, you know, it, it. It speaks to his humility that he can he can understand that because there's so many people out there that are just like. You know, like a Brie Larson or somebody who thinks they're yeah. doing this, think they're doing the Lord's work or some fucking high calling bullshit. Brie Larson think, is a toxic person in of yeah. herself. But I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. aside from that, but I mean, she thinks she's this fucking wonderful gift from God. You know, oh, I'm an, I'm an, I'm a thespian. I'm an artist. I'm an actress. You know, and Cavill's just like, no, these are these are the fans. They have ownership of this because they have helped cultivate these things over decades and decades and decades and they have you know that they, they are responsible for these things being successful for him having the job in the first place he gets it yeah. he understands it i mean mm-hmm. it, and it's sad that more people that are in his position don't have that kind of awareness you know yeah and and, and it's just a really unfortunate that again you don't get guys with the mindset of of cavalry doing the show running for this stuff you get the opposite you get people who are going yeah we're actively going to insult and do stuff to annoy the fans because you know we hate them it's sort of thing it's just like yeah also props to cavill for banging it out with gina carano fucking mm, bro my hero (laughs) 
All right, so to talk about a couple of the regular TV shows before we get to the movies. Uh, first of all, Batwoman. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Okay, that's the comment. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Right. And do, do you remember what I and do you remember what I said about uh, Rotten Tomatoes and the gaps? Yeah, yeah. Right, here's a good one for you. Critics seventy six percent, fans twelve percent. <laughs> wow, uh, that's really right? generous on the part of the fans. Yeah, that's and right. obviously, the trailers were horrible enough, and the oh. series has showed they weren't far off the mark. And viewer viewership numbers have consistently fallen with every episode. You until, don't say. Until it peaked with uh, on episode nine. Yeah. Not, no news. No, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know what to say about this one other than I knew yeah. this would happen because it just looked so cheesy. Yeah. I mean, um, we, don't, we talked it's about it that yeah. one time. And so I actually had someone, I, and I was, having, I was having this conversation with someone uh, where I said it looked bad, and, and the guy said to me, but it wasn't made for you. And I turned around and said, but that doesn't mean I can't criticize it. Exactly. Mm. That's like that's like fucking you know what that is? Have you guys seen the new trailer for James Bond? Yeah. Oh my mm. god. Fucking when that What's bitch that? says stay in your lane to him, I'm just like, oh fucking kill me. Just fucking kill me now. That's the mm-hmm. kind of bullshit. Stay in your yeah. fucking lane. That's the same kind mm-hmm. of thing, like, well, it wasn't made for you. Well, hey, guess what? You know what? Fucking eat a dick. How about that? You know, yeah. Fucking... Yeah. I wasn't waiting for you. Like, fine. That, that means we don't watch it. We don't get money and it fails. Have fun with that. Yeah. Right? But the idea that, th- see, that, that falls into that whole idea that like, oh, you know what? You can't, you can't have a, uh, you can't have a man write a woman's part because they don't understand mm. what it's like to be a That's... woman. Oh, please get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Exactly. Like, that that yeah. whole, that whole line of thinking is just so absurd. That whole state yeah. lane and. You know, oh my god, get the fuck out of here, dude. Oh, that gets no, so that is, Then you, as a woman, cannot write a man because you are not a man. So you do not know <laughs> what it is to be a man. It's ridiculous. Mm. This fucking the absurdity of it. Ah. All right. So, we forgot. And the next one, uh, this will get a bigger laugh. Uh, uh, woke, I mean, sorry, Watchmen. Watchmen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you nearly right. called it Watchmen. <clears throat> Watchmen. <laughs> Right, one one it's series not released. Bad, man. Yeah. It's not one bad. one one series released so far. Uh, critics ninety six percent, fans fifty one. Created and written by Damon Lindelof, the man behind the masterpiece yeah. that was lost. Uh, again, the viewing figures have declined steadily over the first four episodes, but then steadily climbed back up for the last five of the series. Yeah. I made the choice not to watch this because I hated the movie. Uh, really? Yes. Oh my gosh, I love. Um, I think it's See, I, I love the movie, which is why I chose not to watch this series, because, uh, yeah, after the first few episodes, I'm like, oh, it's Wokeman. Right, yep, no. Nope, you nope. know what, I don't, mm, I, think that's a, I think that's a bad estimation of it. I watched the entire series, and I, I don't, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just not seeing it, but I don't think it's Wokeman. I really don't. I, Have I you thought read it was the comic? Fine. Yeah, decades ago, like when it came out. Yeah, go but, back and I mean, read it. Go back and read it. Oh, well, I mean, probably, and then make probably the comparison. not a but I mean, it's it's not bad though. It's not. I okay. don't think it was bad. It's um. I feel like I feel like it's a it's a classic Lindelof thing though, where it's building towards something, but it's going to be next season, and then you're going to get the same thing where he's building towards something else, and yeah. you don't really ever it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's it doesn't feel like it's going to get where it needs to get. I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
Mm-hmm. But I hate, but, I, mean, I hate Lindelof's stuff anyway for that reason. Yeah, it's Lindelof's cha- fucking hack. I mean, but it's, it's, it's just constant chain it's yanking. It's just, yeah. Yeah, even then, I'm like, no, yeah. again, it was my, my point with Watchmen series is like, it's a series that never needed to be made, right? Oh, for it sure. was just, it's sure. just, it, again, it's just, yeah, no. But, but again, though, I can't say that there's anything intrinsically bad about it. It's just, it kind of is, it, it is what it is, but it doesn't really go anywhere. I mean, it does, yeah. but then it doesn't. Maybe that's it. It doesn't feel satisfying when it gets to where it's going because it feels like it's not really. It doesn't really feel like it's. Like I said, you're kind of you're kind of waiting yeah. for something else to happen. But I don't know. It's fine. It's fine though. I think yeah. it's. I think it's worth a watch for curiosity's sake because you might you might find something from it that you like. Or you might enjoy mm-hmm. it, but it's. I don't think it's a waste of time. I don't think it's like painful like Batwoman like. Ugh. God, yeah. the, the clips that I've seen from that are just fucking awful. Just awful. Yeah. All right, so on to the movies this year, the theatrical release movies. I've narrowed it down uh, to ones worth talking about from those that have been released. But before we do, we have to talk about one that didn't get released, and that was a, a movie called The Hunt, a movie about rich elites hunting deplorables, as they're called. <laughs> and... It was pulled after being thing? seen as the. Yes, it's a real thing. Uh, Hillary Swank was in it, if you remember her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pulled from. Uh, yeah, seen as an attack on Trump supporters and even earned flack from the man himself. Uh, test screenings were very negative due to the audience members not liking the politics on film. Uh, an international release is possible, but uncertain at this point. Whoops. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how 2020 goes. Whether yeah, we'll see how 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if he if it he gets like removed, a movie that was already made though. Do you remember that movie? Um, oh, what the fuck was it? it was with Ice T and Gary Busey, and they were hunting Ice T. I don't oh, remember. God, no, it came no. out in the nineties. I can't remember what the fuck it was called though. You mean New Jack City by any chance? No, not New Jack no, City. No, no. <laughs> so I'm just checking because you, you know, after your Bill Cosby comment earlier, yeah, I thought yeah, after Bill check Cosby, on. Yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna look at IMDb. Yeah. You guys go on yeah. without me. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Right, so the first one to talk about, and these are in no particular order of release, uh, is Joker. Um, Budget of around $70 million. It took just over... Made over a billion. Yeah, over a billion at the box office. The the, the woke media salt. Yeah, Mm. and here's another gap gap for you. Critics, 69%. Fans, 88%. The movie was... I've, I've, I've seen this, and it was great. Um, but the media seem to be looking for any excuse to go after this. Oh, really? Uh, you think? Yes. They're even claiming, among other things. to the point where they were making things up before the movie even came out and they'd seen it? You mean that? And yeah, they even... were essentially doing the equivalent of poking people, going, do a mass shooting. Do it. Do yes. It, do they, it. Uh, <laughs> Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix even walked out of an interview with a British tabloid after it was posting about the movie promoting such violence. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't blame him. But it's, but it's the British tabloids. I can't say as I blame him. But it's a... <laughs> but it's a well, it is. Sorry, I, I hate the British tabloids with a passion, which is why yeah, I say that no, comment. But um, it's a great movie. Um, we've had enough origin stories of heroes, and to see one of a villain... Um, well, you know, the, th- the thing I think uh, that's really kind of... Um, that you really have to address about the movie in particular is that people are like, oh, I'm so tired of superhero movies. This is just another superhero movie. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, this is not a superhero movie. This, this is a character study about a man who falls apart. Who falls between the cracks and yeah. loses his way and loses his human, uh, humanity because of what society does to him. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's like, and the thing, the thing that you see, it's like, you know, on woke Twitter or wherever the fuck yeah, it is, it's yeah. like, oh, this is just an it's so wet dream. Da, 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 da. It's like, no, this is something that is no. just an all too real fact of reality. This is something yeah. that we see happen in real life. This is a reflection of who we are as a society and how we treat marginalized people. Yeah. And I so, mean, you know, they're also the people hey. calling it a very violent movie. No, it's not. He kills oh, five people. Okay. I mean, it's and, violent, but is it any more violent than our world? Mm-hmm. And then as a reflection of our world, it's not, not at all. Quite no. a bit less, in fact, actually. But as a result, it has become the most profitable comic book-based movie, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the first R-rated movie to pass one billion at the box office. So well yeah. done to it. I'm looking forward to Hopefully, if they do a decent Blu-ray release, I might pick it up. The thing is, I've said that before about the Chernobyl miniseries, and when they released a Blu-ray, all it had was a picture gallery. Yeah, well done, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. And on to a smaller release now. Uh, and this was Crawl. The Crocodile movie. Yeah. Uh, budget of 13.5 million. It took 91.5 million at the box office. Um, really? Yeah. Critics, 83%, wow. fans, 75%. This was a good example of showing that a low budget creature feature can still be made and still be successful. My wife and I watched it, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, the crocodiles are CGI, but, yeah, (laughs) you give and take. But um, it was good, and I would like to see more of this stuff come out. I think that's what you're going to end up seeing, is you're going to see a lot more indie stuff like this because, you know, and small-budget stuff like this, because, again, it just looks like Hollywood's dropping the ball. I mean, apart from a few notable successes this year, it's just been like this cavalcade of just mediocrity and just bad films. Well, as as you've said that, that's a perfect lead into the next one. (laughs) Charlie's Angels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, Another case of a movie no one ever wanted or ever asked for. No. Budget of 55 million. It took 57.1. One critics fifty two percent fans seventy eight which I've got to be honest that caught me off guard That's a bit. Bullshit! That is yeah. again. This goes back to that messing with numbers thing. That is yeah. I, I call bullshit on that. Yeah, uh, yeah. This was a disaster in the making, especially after Kristen Stewart said this would be the woke version of the franchise. She uh, said that for real. Yes, yeah, she did. Yes, mm-hmm. she did. Oh, um, now nobody I'm aware of wanted another Charlie's Angels movie, especially after the last one had such a lukewarm reception. Wait, the first one? No, the no, first sorry, one. No, the last one, the, the full throttle, I should say. I was going to say, um, did yeah, they make a two of them, though? And they were yeah, they both made pretty two, big yeah. successes, weren't they? Um, no, they the were... second one. The, yeah, full throttle was just kind of Because, again, people, they, they okay. just basically they, they basically pumped them out one after the other. And it's just, you know, doing the, 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 re, the modernized remake. You know, I was like, oh, this is kitschy nostalgia stuff. This is great. And then after that, people just went, eh. Again, that was yeah. really just, you know. Now, uh, Banks, who directed, co-produced, and wrote the screenplay, kicked up a massive stink on social media about the movie's failure uh, with such great remarks as, you've had 37 Spider-Man movies, and it reinforces <laughs> a stereotype that men don't go to see women do action movies. Yeah, no. Terminator was never a thing. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you forget... Men will go to see an action movie with a woman in it if it's fucking good! Tomb yeah. Raider. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that wasn't even good, and people want to go see those fucking terrible things. I mean, come yeah. on, dude. Get out of here. Yeah. So, I mean, I and love the funny thing. Banks. I yeah. think she's fucking really good, but I mean, stupid shit like that. Come on. Yeah. She knows but, better. 
but the funny thing is, after this movie was confirmed a failure, she got the job uh, writing and directing the Invisible Man, sorry, Invisible Woman movie that's going to be made, <laughs> which yeah. which which makes me think back to that wonderful Kevin Smith quote of "In Hollywood, you fail upwards." Yeah, yeah, for sure. So oh, I'm, I'm I'm figuring after the Star Wars debacle, Kathleen Kennedy's going to be made the CEO of Disney next year. Oh, it'll be Dude. funny. <laughs> yeah. I, that Invisible Woman thing. It wasn't a case of, oh, she was given it. She made it for herself. Yeah. <clears throat> right. And as we've talked about stinkers, here's another one. Uh, Terminator woke, f- I mean, Dark Fate. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Have any of you guys I, seen it? Right. I have not seen it. But when I heard about it, what I heard, I decided I was not going to see it. For Do you mind spoilers, Scott? Am I all right with that? Oh, I don't care. No, go right, right. ahead. No, okay, so doesn't mean anything to me. No. Right, uh, budget of 185 million to 196. So I haven't got the final figure. It took 260 million at the box office and is confirmed a bomb. Critics 70 percent, fans 82. The warning signs were there from the start with this one. The, the <laughs> first, the first poster. Uh, Tim Miller's comments about people being closet misogynists if they didn't like it. Uh, John that was Connor. Such not a being... weird thing for him to yes, do. Yes, it was. Man, that was very um, strange. The missing John Connor, now replaced with a female version. The trope of the usually good-looking actress being made more butch for the part, as is the case with uh, the, the female Terminator. There were a number of different writers on the project, uh, six in total. Dang. And then there were the plot leaks that John Connor was killed at the beginning of the movie. The behind-the-scenes stories that came out after release, feuds in the editing room between Miller and Cameron, the horrendous CGI uh, and the reaction to John Connor's death. And then there was the perceived politics in the movie, such as Danny's character being Hispanic and the new Terminator being disguised as a Border Patrol agent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and they Wow, subtle. Yeah. And they even shot a scene in a detention center um, as well. And then there's, of course, the dialogue around Danny, uh, the John Connor replacement, being important because of her womb. Yeah, we get it. Wow. Wow. Um, I'm, Minor I'm gonna... correction there. Um, there was Hold a female on. Terminator. Um, Grace just... was actually an enhanced human that was basically pushed yeah. as far as they can push a human for modifications before they kill them. Okay, yeah, I, be- I stand so corrected. So she was still human, but she had a shit ton of modifications done yeah. so she could she have a chance to go up against a Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now I'm going to have a little... Kenzie Davis, by the way. Yes. I'm going to have a little rant about this. Do it. Because Terminator 2 is my all-time favorite movie. Uh, my second favorite all-time movie is Aliens. And they both now share the fate of having more bad movies in those franchises than good ones. <laughs> and with Terminator 2, that finished the story. And it's a classic example of Hollywood not knowing when to leave shit alone. Well, when there's money on the table, man, they're going to try and pick it up. And every Terminator movie since 2 has been shit. And it's also been noticed that the CGI has gone downhill as well, especially after T2 pioneered it with the T-1000. Yeah, Yeah, that was a special moment in time. Oh, God, yeah. You can't recreate that, unfortunately. Um, Kind of like the Matrix, same kind of thing. Yeah, and I've got T2 uh, across from me because I've got the the newer edition with all the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And I watch it whenever I get the chance because it is it it's one of those movies where it had Perfect. superb action, it had an amazing story, and it had some great dialogue moments in it as well. 
And when you've got a movie that's sporting, yeah. And when you've got a movie like this has six different fucking writers on it, you know (laughs) it's going to be bad. And yeah, and it literally (laughs) annoys the hell out of me with this one because Hollywood needs to learn to leave stuff alone, but they will not. And I fear that after this, there'll be another one. They'll try and do something with it again, but they just won't learn their lesson. So there's my little rant for you there. You know what the funny thing is? It's like Hollywood doesn't know when to leave things alone. This is very true. But there are some people, thankfully, that don't know when to leave things alone and actually do it right, like Denny Villeneuve with fucking Blade Runner 2049, which is another movie I think is absolutely perfect. I think it's a brilliant piece of artwork. I think it's a brilliant piece of cinema. But Villeneuve, it's 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 another one of those moments, just like T2, where you've got this confluence of events that's coming together to create something that is, it's a special unrecreatable moment in history. Yeah. T2 is one of those moments. Blade Runner 2049 for as little attention as it got. Mm -hmm. A damn shame because I think it's one of the, one of my favorite films ever. I think it's a beautiful piece of work. Um, But there, there are thankfully people like Villeneuve out there who are doing that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, it's not, generally bankable it's not something no. that's going to make hollywood a lot of money and i mean he's he snuck that one under the radar and we'll see what he's going to do with doom yeah you know coming up here in a year or two or whenever it's coming out yeah but generally speaking though they're looking for low cost high high uh high return investments and yeah that doesn't need good movies unfortunately i mean another that the DVD market right exists, no. You know? no and another little i'll throw this one in before we move on but obviously i i write books and uh one thing i like to do when i write books is have a, a soundtrack playing in the background not a song yeah. but a, a soundtrack to work along to because you can come, sometimes get emotions from that you use and i have oh, the yeah. t2 You're trying to do something yeah. creative and have a good score yeah. playing fuck yeah and i and i have the t2 soundtrack on my phone which i've played numerous <laughs> times when i've been writing and i'll tell you what i get some dynamite shit on the page when that stuff is going yeah it's a great soundtrack, um, great score but again do you see soundtracks on that level these days? Oh, you do. Oh, come on, dude. Hans you do, Zimmer. but it's not as com not as common. Ooh. No, okay, it's definitely well, not as common. But you're talking about you're talking about a sea of mediocrity, and then you're talking about a few masters like Williams, mm-hmm. Zimmer, mm-hmm. Elf. Yeah, you know, there those people just aren't a lot. There's not a lot of people like that. So yeah, that's why you're not getting a lot of it, unfortunately. Well, you're yeah. also again. There's, there was actually. Um, there's a guy, a, a film critic. I'll, he he does film analysis, but he says one of the problems they're also running into is uh, stand-in soundtracks, where they'll oh, yeah. put in like essentially a, a placeholder soundtrack, and during the making of the movie, they kind of get attached to it, and so that's what becomes. So yeah, you get the big guys like Elfman and Williams and those, oh. but all complaining. It's just like they're putting in this media mediocre music, right? Um, you know who did, somebody did a video about that? There's this yeah. guy. Uh, he doesn't make videos anymore, sadly. It's every frame of painting. Well, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. thinking of the same video. Oh, I love yeah. him. He's, he, oh, yeah. God, I miss Tony yeah. so much. He does the best shit. But he does that video about that, about how they're like, well, I want a song that sounds like this. And they're like, mm-hmm. so they go ahead and they put that song in there. And then the directors are like, well, let's just keep that one. Let's get that one. We'll use that. Yeah, yeah. And, you yeah. Know, and you run into that problem where you get the same stuff recycled over and over and over again just because yeah. it hits a certain emotional beat or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it, it, mm. it, for me, it always goes back to that lack of creativity seeing that. Mm. Um, Hollywood can't seem to come up with new shit, so they just keep retreading old ground. And I yeah, thought it's... they'd learned their lesson with Terminator <clears throat> Genesis, 
also was a massive pile of shit. There's plenty of new stuff out there. It's simply a case of Hollywood doesn't want to basically go with the investment just in case it doesn't work. They'd rather mm-hmm. stick with what has worked and then cry when it fails. Yeah, yeah. there's value in writing the coattails of a name. Yeah. There's value yeah, the, in, but, like... You know. But, yeah, yeah, the problem is the reason they keep doing remakes. Um, you look at the Lion King remake they did this year. Yeah. That uh, made yeah. a stupid amount of profit. They're yeah. just going to keep doing it. As long as they keep making, you know, sizable profits on them for very little input, they're just going to keep doing it. So mm-hmm. the only way that they're going to get the message is if people close their wallets and stop seeing them. Yeah. You, you know what? I think I said this one other time in one of the other shows that we did. Yeah. But how much How much you want to bet? <laughs> and even more so now, I think it's going to become a reality. How much do you want to bet that Disney's going to remake the original Star Wars trilogy? <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Do we, do we want to take bets on that now for episode? <laughs> no, 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 no. 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 Oh, oh well. But so just, considering uh, they're already basically going, oh well, this lot flopped. Um, let's start again. Already. Yeah. I'm All right. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Scott. I'll, I'll I'll tell you what, Scott. I'll go with you on this one. I'll say yeah. I'll... Even if it's not live action, they might do it animated. I'm saying, yeah. but I, I just I the, the more I the more I think about it, the more it feels like. I can almost feel it coming, man. I'm just kind of like. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I reckon it'll happen, but I reckon basically they'll they'll let they, you know they'll they'll let this lot just sort of. You know, fester off and you know, talk it. Probably ten years they'll do it, but no. Oh, I think it'll be sooner that it'll probably be a Disney Plus exclusive too. I'll yeah. bet. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Right. <laughs> so, words. on on to the next one then, and I, it's in the latest release, but I've included it purely for the bants and lols we can have with this, and that was cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a ninety-five million dollar furry porn commission. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It costs Critic- $95 million? Yep. Right, yeah. not yet. No, I've got no information on what it's taken yet because it's not long been re- But <clears throat> so far, uh, critics 20%, fans 68 I watched the trailer for this and I was creeped the fuck out because it as just didn't who, look right. Yeah, as someone who's actually seen the live, the live show, the live show costume work was 20 times better than this abomination. Yeah, but it's just... It actually looks like cats, like anthropomorphized cats. Yeah. And this it just... Did, just yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't look right. And... Go on. Well, besides James Corden? Well, no, I, well, it's fucking... I don't, yeah, I don't even consider that person to be real. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could join you on that, but go on. Right, yeah. Um, but the fucking thing that, that, that I, <laughs> I was watching the trailer for, or the commercial or whatever, and it, like... The faces were all too big for the heads. Yeah, and it did. Look like they were sliding around on the, the fucking whole heads. Thing is so going to be used weird. as a a, a, um, a, 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 a a lesson lesson in film and animation of this is what the uncanny valley looks like. Yeah, this is the uncanny <laughs> valley done as a movie. Now yep. I want you to sit here, basically sit here and try and watch it for as long as you can before you just have to leave the room. Right. Yeah. No, that's been the you know biggest complaint as well. It's just, it's been, it was just so uncanny valley. It was creeping people out. Yeah. Oh, you want you know to add on to that creep factor? Okay. Uh, yesterday I watched um, this guy's channel, Stone Gremlin. He does midnight reviews, as in he goes to see a movie with friends and they just hop in his car and have immediate chat straight after about it. 
Wait, is it? And he would see cats, and he was sitting there grinning like a Cheshire cat, basically going, (laughs) I had fun! I felt like I was high the entire time! (laughs) Sorry, Scott, you were trying... The girl that went with him was basically like, this felt like someone basically went, can we get away with doing a fetish film? Can we? Oh, we can. (laughs) Go on, Scott, you're trying to say something there. It would be funny to... um... Like, and I don't know how you would pick these people out per se, but you know that, you know, when they have like a horror movie and they put the camera in there to see the audience reaction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, like, I would love to see what the audiences look like that are going to see this because not that you could tell who's a furry in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> but I would oh, no, no, yeah, it's like, you, just look, you look like you look for the suspicious bouncing movie. You go, ah, oh, there's the furry. Get your yeah. hand off it. <laughs> I would have to imagine. There's yeah. oh, well, a um, lot of fucking furries going to see this movie. Oh. Well, when he went to see it, the cashier is actually very happy to give them tickets because only two other people had bought, and t- bought tickets. <laughs> wow. They're actually really oh, delighted. Like, you're actually going to see cats? Oh, this is great! Like, uh, yeah, yeah. This is another thing. It's kind of like, who asked for this? Like, yeah, exactly. You know what? Yeah. It's funny. Like the Charlie's Angels thing. I don't think I saw a single advertisement for it until the movie came out and was getting slammed. And I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, what? There's a Charlie's Angels movie? Like, what? Yeah. And then like this cats thing. It's kind of like the same thing. It's like cats. What? The, who? What? Oh, I'm, yeah. just, just, I'm glad it failed because again, it means just we're not going to see a Hollywood and shit just made in the. Or, or worse, they are, and it's just going to be like, oh, cringe. Mm. <laughs> oh, right. What apparently freaked out the girl that went with Stone Gremlin for this the most <laughs> was the fact that she's like, so many times she's like, I had to keep reminding myself, no, that is not a butt plug with a tail on it. That's actually <laughs> above where the butthole is. Oh, no. There's so many times she's like, is that coming out of the butthole? I think it's coming out of the butthole. Oh, oh wait, no, stop. <laughs> And apparently one bit that freaked her the hell out to the point of nearly walking out was apparently um, there's a scene with Rebel Wilson's character and they have anthropomorphized cockroaches. Like she basically goes, they're cockroach people. (sighs) And she eats them. Not just the whole, oh, I shove it in my mouth and you just basically hear vague chewing noises. Like, no, she grabs them and full on bites them in half and full blown chewing and crunching. And she's like, Okay, I have Isn't that not oh, woke showing food. a fat oh, person eating? Like anthropomorphized yeah. dancing, singing cockroaches that she picks up and bites in half and chews on. Yeah, yeah but that's not very woke, though, showing a fat person eating food. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> they're very thankful she's very free. Alright, um, so, so the next one then, and this, I'll give, it, I'll give it a praise here for being an original piece of cinema. Uh, this was Knives Out. A right, budget yeah. of 40 million. It's taken 167.5 at the box office. Oh, uh, why do people give let Rian Johnson do things? Well, here's the thing. Crans, the fa- critics, 97%. Fans, 92 uh, A lot of Star Wars fans wanted to see this fail, but it, it's done very well, and it's been received very well. Uh, I, I'm not going to... Generally speaking, it is a, like people are saying it is a good movie for what it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Except for the whole, he literally has an insert character, which is entirely sh- the the character is like, I'm pissing on fandom, I'm pissing on everything else, I hate everything because I'm an awful person. Wah. Remove that. It's actually an okay movie. So I won't dwell on that too long, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, people wanted it to sink, but it hasn't. So, eh, it's one of those. Right. Next one, Rambo: Last Blood. Have you seen it? No, I've not seen it. I have been told it is uh, uh, awful, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's, it. It, it's a budget of 50 million. It took 91 million. Uh, the big difference here critics 27%, fans 82%. Um, yeah, because the critics, the critics went on again. This critics being again. They're like, oh, Rambo taking, you know, he's. He- you know, picking on immigrants, etc. I'm like, yeah, immigrants who are cartel members who are trying to kill. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so they, they it, went it, after it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's good for what it is. It's a Rambo action film. It yeah. is basically the way that they were always more or less going to end the Rambo thing, right? Mm-hmm. This is it's it's it's, it's a Rambo action film. It, it's yeah. a popcorn movie. It does exactly what's advertised on the box. Yeah, but they went after it for its uh, showing of a crime-infested Mexico. Uh, an insecure U.S. border. Because that's a stretch. Yeah. An, in- an insecure U.S. border and the usual white savior narrative. However, it actually earned a very negative response from David Morrill, who wrote the original book, saying he was embarrassed to have his name associated with it. Ooh. Yeah, but you find a lot of, like, again, there's been a lot of authors from that period, like the 80s, whatever, who've gone bloody woke now that they've got yeah. off cocaine Stephen King um, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. what's it um, uh, the guy wrote the no no Stephen William... King no no Stephen King no, did no, a lot no, of cocaine and he fully admits it William, William Gibson Gibson yeah Gibson, Gibson yeah. he's gone wokey as well it's just yeah so you get a lot of those guys who basically wrote all these you know fantastic books in the 80s while doing a lot of cocaine and um, then you know now that they've sort of oh yeah now that they've gone modern woke like, so they've grown kind of, up. They're, they're doing yeah. better now. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing better you know, now. <laughs> you know, own, own, own what you did. You know, it's just, but again, I find it really disingenuous like that, where they're just going, oh, you know, I did all this stuff. Oh, now I'm really ashamed of what I did. Mm-hmm. You know what's really... funny about that? You know what's funny about that? Shane Black did Predator, the original yep. Predator. Fucking yep. comes back and makes a fucking terrible movie. <laughs> it doesn't apologize for it though. Just yeah, like, it's just what I do. New Predators, mm. not nah, fucking good. It was really, really quite bad. I was, mm. I was, was kind of bummed out because I was hoping I was like, all right, Shane Black, he's fucking dead. yeah, yeah. Shane Black makes good, fun '80s action movies, but man, oof, that was just fucking painful. Painful. Yeah, interesting bad. thing about Shane Black and a lot of these '80s movies that he made, he wanted them to be a lot more violent, a lot more bloody, and a lot more cursing. Yep. Yeah. But the studios cut it back. Yes, again, I, uh, the Shane Black stuff. It's you know, say so Shane, Shane Black needs to stop the stu- letting the studios walk all over him. Because yeah. when he's allowed, when he gets to do what he wants to do, he makes fantastic films. When he mm-hmm. lets the studios dictate, and then he has to push it out to PG-13, except like it ends up just being bad. Well, yes and no on that. Well, let's debate for another time. But um, for the final one, before we go on to a little debate, uh, Black Christmas, the second remake of the... <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Uh, the second remake of the uh, 1974 Canadian slasher. Uh, budget of five. slasher. Yeah. Uh, budget of five million. Took 8.5 at the box office. Uh, critics, 39%. Fans, 30%. Uh, this is seen as the feminist take on the slasher movie, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, joy. Yeah, but it was also, as a result, a sign that constant remakes really are not a good thing. It also, it also fails in the fact that the Black Christmas, most people don't realise this, but Black Christmas was actually the first slasher movie. Yeah. Before the genre really got picked really? up with the likes of Halloween and whatnot. 
And back in then, it was very controversial because it ended with the fact of the killer was not revealed, the killer was not stopped, the killer got mm-hmm. away with it, and I it was like, oh, what, 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 what? But the people's like the girls meant to survive, and people are meant to like get the guys meant to get it, and what else for being evil? So no, he was never identified, and he walked away from it. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, interesting. That's what made. Mm-hmm. That's what it sort of stuck with people with that, but it didn't hit that cult status until Halloween was made. That's yeah. when the slasher film really kicked off, and the cult status of slasher films took off. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that. Mm. All right, and it was very interesting in the way it was done. Is that in that time the killer had no particular mo in the way he killed them because each each person he went after, the young girls and an older woman, the matron of the the dormitories, he killed them in all different ways. And when he called, they based the way he spoke on the weepy killer in that he would carry on and change his voice and just ramble. Yeah. That's what made him so scary because I realized, and also the play on, the first play on, the killer's in the house because all the phone calls are coming from somewhere in the house, but they could never (laughs) identify which room it was coming from. And of course, they tried to remake that modern times. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Crammed in feminism. So it was doomed to fail. All right. So. We're going to uh, finish on a debate before we do predictions for the new year. Is it fair to judge a movie on its trailer? Because this year I have said several times I'm not going to see a movie because the trailer looks shit and I've been called out on it. But I stand my ground on it because isn't that what a trailer is meant to be for, to tempt you into seeing a movie? Am I right or am I wrong on that? It's uh, no, For right. me, at least, it's a yes but no more yes than no, because there have been some movies that have been absolutely awesome, but they've suffered for the fact that whoever did cut the trailers was an absolute dipshit. Can you name an example? didn't cut them correctly. Um, Judge Dredd. Mm. Dredd. Uh, yeah, that trailer was cut Dredd horribly, Dredd. did not reflect <laughs> what the movie actually was, thus it cost the movie in the end. But it, the movie's now cult status because people realised the way it was cut did not reflect anything to do with the actual movie. Another well, the one problem with that too was it, it, their whole their whole advertising budget was jack shit for that film in the first place too. So yeah, even with the bad still, trailer, the it, it was wasn't cut. getting the exposure that it needed to get. It was yeah. not. But the trailer, where the trailer was cut, did yeah, not do any was bad. Yeah, it was. Mm. Another was one that was a bad, badly cut trailer was Crimson Peak. It tried to make it out like it was a full blown horror movie when it wasn't. Okay. It was. One... Uh, it was basically a thriller. Loves like thriller romantic story, like sort of love story with ghosts in it. But they try to portray it as, oh, it's a bloody horror movie with these horrible ghosts and things, and that that's not what it was at all. Yeah, because I mean, one trailer that I remember getting a, a a mortified reaction was the original Sonic the Hedgehog trailer before they had to update or change the look of Sonic because of how hideous found people found him. Yeah, that's a bit of a trick with that. They've actually sort of hinted that that was a tester. It's like, oh, will okay. people accept this? And the studio is basically gone, will people accept this? No? Okay, then we'll suddenly go, oh, whoopsies, whoopsies, oh, how terrible. We'll fix that. They mm. already had it in the wings. Yeah. Yeah. So, then, and then we'll, then we'll sack the animation studio that did all the hard work and made it look <laughs> they, they actually no, I'm not kidding. They shut down that studio. Yeah, right I remember after reading about it. Work, so. Did they really? That, yeah. that studio also did the Lion King, mm. the live action but, Lion King. So, what about you, Scott? Do you do you think I'm off the mark on that one, or am I in a good thing? Um, 
here's the thing. I never trust reviews. I never trust trailers. I never trust word of mouth unless it's somebody I've known for a really, really long time that knows what I like. Yeah. Um, Because I would say probably, and and I don't think this is overstating it. I would say nine times out of 10, a trailer never, never hits the mark for me. Okay. Uh, a, A review never hits the mark for me because I'm, you know, I've said it before. I'm a film snob. I'm definitely, I'm absolutely a fucking film snob. I always have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love all different kinds of movies. I love movies. Yeah. I love film. I love cinema. Cinema. C- <laughs> <Simina. laughs> you know, I love I love cinema. It's great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no trailers. I I don't I don't pay attention to anything like that. Like even if it's a bad movie, and people are like, "Don't see it, don't see it, don't see it." I'm gonna see it if I want to see it. I'm gonna see it. So there's yeah. It's kind of like I I. I try, I do my best not to judge a thing until I have seen it, until I actually have firsthand experience of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because like fucking what's your nuts we were talking about earlier, who was like talking shit about, um, uh, whatever, fuck, I forget what the example was, but they were talking shit about the thing uh, about Blake, about Blake Northcott and yeah, 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 yeah. fucking closed down their Twitter because they didn't know what they were fucking talking about because they had no idea because they'd never actually seen who this person was. And they're calling Blake yeah. a fucking neckbeard. It's like that kind of thing. It's like, you just look like a fucking idiot, you know? And so like, I just, I don't, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, even if you think it's going to be bad and, you know, see it, find out for yourself and then fucking talk about it and then talk shit about it. Because if you haven't put in the time, then I don't think you really have a fucking leg to stand on. So I think it's like, right. you know, that's with the thing with trailers. It's like, trailers don't tell me anything they're not giving me any information other than please come watch this movie give us your money da, 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 da. you know it's just like it's not telling me anything i need to know so again I'm, i tend to sort of sit in the middle of like yeah trailers can you know they should sort of try and motivate you to see the film but again there, there's been a lot of there's a lot of examples of trailers that have just been cut horribly um <laughs> that were completely unrepresentative of the film and you tend to find the, the the cult films tend to be those ones. Yeah, it's a cult film. Yeah, no one saw it in the cinemas because the trailer was awful. But then through you know trusted word of mouth, it actually people went, oh, this is actually a really good film, and it becomes a cult film. So yeah, like I said, and reviewers again, I don't tr- I, I don't trust reviewers more than I trust trailers because you know you have reviewers. Because I remember there's one classic example I remember back in the day, back yeah. when I was a boy when the. <laughs> When the original Matrix came out, right? Oh, yeah, and I remember yeah. reading a review from this hipster garbage thing in Perth where the reviewer clearly hadn't seen past the first 15 minutes of the bloody film. So she's going, you know, again, you see the opening scene of the Matrix where, you know, Trinity's escaping the agents. She basically escapes the Matrix via the phone booth. And the yeah. reviewer just goes into this huge diatribe of, wait, this makes no fucking sense. Right, right, right. And you're like, I'm reading this thing and cringing and just going, Oh, sweetie, you had did not watch the first more than the first ten minutes of the film, did you? Mm. So yeah, no reviewers definitely. I don't listen to trailers. And again, I take them with a very big grain of salt. Well, so, I mean, I've I've looked at it in the past, and for example, one of the trailers that sold me as soon as I saw it was Logan, and that turned out to be a fantastic movie. But I'm looking at trailers that are coming out today. I mean, like I said. Uh, Terminator Dark Fate was a good one. The the recent Rise of Skywalker. And I just looked and thought, you know what? They just don't interest me. Yeah, but again, they were fundamentally bad movies anyway. Well, right. Rise so of Skywalker is kind of, yeah. yeah. You can't so, anyway, my point is, okay. So my, my point would be there is find one where the trailer sucked, but the movie was good. 
right? Because that will tell you. Whereas you're you're going, hey, these these tra- these trailers don't make me want to see the movies. I'm like, yeah, because the movies are shit, right? <laughs> so they're kind of reaffirming that, yeah, that's that's kind of going, yeah, the premise of no, these trailers are giving you an accurate accurate depiction that you don't want to see this movie. Mm. But you, you know, you 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 will have trailers out there that were just terribly cut. Yeah. That gave, and then then um, you know, it turned out to be a really good film. Okay, so, fair enough. Right. Oh, what's also I hate with trailers is when you realise that they've given away the entire plot in the trailer. Yeah. Okay, so whoever cut it decided instead of giving hints and tempters to say, is this interest you? You want to go see this, right? See what's going to happen. See what the story is. Instead, they're like, here's the story. I t- top to the tail. You don't see, need to see the movie now because you know everything's going to happen. So they revealed this in the... Uh... The show they showed this in the trailer for Terminator Genesis when they showed that John Connor was a Terminator, and to me that was a oh, massive. That wasn't John Connor. That was another guy who they thought was one of their people turned out to be a Terminator. No, that was John Connor. Yeah, it's John Connor. Yeah, it was John Connor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it been does. ages since I bothered to watch it. Yeah. I've forgotten large chunks. Yeah, because <laughs> I because when I saw the trailer, I thought, "Hang on, John Connor's a Terminator now." No, and... you're thinking of Terminator for Salvation. Yeah, and it was. Um... Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And it was a so massive bad. spoiler that they put in that trailer. So yeah, I see your point there. You know what? I wonder. I wonder here. Here's something to it. Uh, let me add a wrinkle to it because we're talking Go about like, trailers. Trailers are done. Aren't done by the people making the movie. They're done by trailer houses. Like okay. As, as was the issue with um, <clears throat> you know, Suicide Squad, where yeah, the, the the movie ended up actually being edited by the trailer house, and that was one of the big issues. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, um, but like, I wonder. I wonder if it's it's an issue with, um, you know, with the studios where instead of having the final say when the trailer is cut by somebody who is not intimate with the material and doesn't know what what is, but are just trying to get you know something snappy and something catchy, and then you have maybe the studio people are like, oh yeah, we're giving this the thumbs up, even though maybe the director's like, but wait a minute, you're giving away the fucking you're giving away the fucking cow with the milk. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, and maybe I wonder if there's ever an instance of that because I have to imagine that has to happen at some point where yeah. studio people oh, who don't yeah, know what the yeah. fuck uh, they're well, doing are just um, like, oh yeah, do that. That's awesome. That's great. It's real snappy. It'll sell millions, you know? Well, my example with um, Crimson Peak is exactly that. And that's why I make the caveat of the people who cut the trailers, not right, the directors, yeah. not the producers, yeah, the exactly. people who cut the trailers. Yeah. And that Del Toro was pissed when he saw the trailers once they were out and he's like, you've completely misrepresented my movie right. called Crimson Peak. Yeah. It's like you cut it as some sort of horror like some sort of crazy horror movie. It's not. The mm-hmm. ghosts are secondary to the main story. The ghosts are just part of what moves things along. It's like, yeah, it's got horror elements of sorts, but it's not a horror movie. It's a gothic romance with thriller elements. Mm. And you wouldn't get any of that from the trailer they cut, and he was really peeved. But by the time he got to see it, it was too late; it'd been put out. Hmm. Okay. All right. New Year's predictions, anyone? <laughs> We're going to see an utter bloodbath amongst amongst the established comic ones. You're going to see DC and Marvel. I doubt DC is going to live in 2020. Uh, let's see 2021. Um, yeah. And Marvel's on my Deadpool for that as well. <laughs> okay. Peter? I'm I'm the same with DC because it's got to the point now with the AT and T and um, Warner mm. basically just going, look, you aren't worth any to 
anything to us as a printing company. Your IP is what's worth to us. So why do we need the printing division when we can just take the IP and do what we want with it, which mm. is they're already doing? So I don't see I don't see the comic printing side of DC lasting a whole lot longer. Yeah, uh, Scott. My predictions for 2020 and 2021. Ooh. Disney is going to remake the original Star Wars trilogy. Marvel oh. and DC are going to form out all their publishing duties to IDW, and they're going to go so woke that they're going to fucking burn in fucking flames and never be seen from again. And huh, let's see. Uh, and I think that's pretty much it. I don't know. I can't really think of anything else, honestly. Okay. Just stuff we've already said. <laughs> you, I hate bad. this because I always I never have good predictions because I'm. I mean, other than the Red Dead thing, I, <laughs> I think I used up all my fucking karma on that. <laughs> <laughs> you had to get that one in there. Yeah, like, well, that was still a yeah, 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 but that that yeah. that was a py- that was a pirate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, one, one more twist of the knife, eh? Well, you know, um, New Year's coming up. I had to get it. In yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the only the only thing I can think to act as a prediction because with I would say uh, with movies it would just be more CGI laden efforts coming out. But my thing is with uh, the crowdfunded comics, I think we'll see a lot more people coming on board with that because uh, obviously Meredith Finch has had a great example. Um, uh, Blake Northcott has had a great example. I think there'll be other artists in the new year that will be looking at it thinking, you know what, I think I'm going to have a go at crowdfunding and see how it does me. Because one person I've, I think I've had say something about it in the past was Sean Gordon Murphy, who does the yeah. Batman series that's going on at the minute. Batman White Knight. That's the one. I think there will be other artists that will jump on that train because of how profitable it is. So well, that's the prediction I've got. You know what? I think that's a great, if I can add to that too, and I think you know, we're talking about how Wombat and Peta and everybody has said that Marvel and DC are going in the fucking shitter. Mm-hmm. I think because of that, I mean, if they're going away, that doesn't mean all the fans of comics are just going to also disappear. They're going to want comics. So somebody's mm-hmm. going to have to make comics. So that's the, you probably made a really good call there. Whereas like the, the indie scene and crowdfunded comics are probably going to really start to see a big uptick. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a comics, very good call. I think. Yeah. Comics have always been a thing. It's just like for a long time there, online comics were what people did to fill in the gaps for, I want a comic like this, but the big guys aren't making it. Yeah. And I'm going to try to do it myself by doing yeah. it online. Yeah. And quite a few of them now are starting to come back up again and potentially turn what there was an online comic into a published one because a few had tried in the past, but it did. they just had the, the, the gap of what I want to make versus the amount of money I have versus what it's going to cost to actually yeah. make this a physical comic. Yeah, the market reality just wasn't there for me because the infrastructure yeah. as far as like crowdfunding yeah. stuff just didn't exist. Yeah, because I've seen a few try, and they're like, we tried, but the cost versus what we got in returns was just too, too, too big of a valley. They just yeah. couldn't feasibly do it without the backing of a big comic publishing company. That The crowdfunding now, you don't need that. No. Okay. All right, um, that's uh, been a good show, I think. Indubitably. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, well, that was episode two of Creators Talking. Um, special thanks to Scott for joining us, as always. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Glad to be here. Appreciate everyone who's listened, and uh, we'll see you in the new year. So take care, everyone. Take care. Bye bye for now. <laughs>